This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that is still absolutely soaked from Saturday. What a weird game last Saturday uh, was against the Southampton, the Saints, of course. Uh, Tommy T apparently listened to the Fancast and made the changes we wanted. Uh, to, so so we, basically, Ziyech and Havertz were benched and Loftus-Cheek and Hudson-Odoi were starting. Um, it seemed to work, too, with Chelsea's tempo and quick transition putting them on top for the first half. So much so that they could have been two or three goals up by half-time. But even from the distance of the VAR room at Stockley Park, a certain Mike Dean had to stamp his personality on the proceedings. Uh, How on earth he saw fit to counsel out were Werner's goal after, at best, an innocuous foul by Aspilicueta some 19 seconds before the ball hit the back of the net? No one can answer. Well, I can... It's either blatant corruption, incompetence, or narcissism, or quite possibly a combination of all three. Uh, Anyway, having been let off, Saints came back into the game and equalised after Chilwell gave away a clear penalty. Uh, But Dean then interfered again by sending James Ward-Prowse off. He may well have been right with this one, or perhaps the Asian booking syndicate in his ear wanted a Chelsea win. I guess we'll never know, will we? Anyway, the decision profoundly affected the game as Chelsea upped the ante uh, with Tuchel's subs also making an impact. No more so than Barkley's exquisite pass to Aspie who crossed for Werner to tap in. Fortunate for Chelsea, yes, but in the end, it balanced out the appalling decision on the disallowed Werner goal, so Saints Saints should have very few complaints. A much-needed three points and top of the league going into into the international break Uh, But better than that, it is the rejuvenation of Ruben Loftus-Cheek, which is a joy to behold. And uh, the name of the show tonight is Power, Corruption and Lies, Chelsea Fancast number 841. 
And I'll get my teeth in sooner or later. I seem to have lost the ability to read tonight, so apologies for that appalling, <laughs> appalling delivery. I saw Jonathan looking at me going, oh, don't, no, you should start again, really. You should start again. No. But no, this is not rehearsal, JK. We go live here. How are you, dear old thing? Are you well? I'm good, thank you very much. Yeah, good. yeah, yeah. Good. Thank you very much. Got, um, was on my bicycle when it rained earlier. Oh, no. What, today? Yeah. Today? Yeah, just in that moment. You know, it rained for about 15 minutes torrentially, you yeah. know, and... And uh, the whole world stopped and I was on my bicycle. So yeah. uh, well, that was amusing. Um, but other than that, um, no, no, that's all, all good today. All good today. Thanks yeah. very much. I'm thinking I just bought a table. I should have bought a fucking arc, mate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, yeah, isn't it? You could float on that table. Though, I think I could you? actually. <laughs> it's made out of the... Um, the uh, the wood from s- uh, scaffolding boards, so yeah. you could you could you could put metal on it as well. I could maybe what I'll do is I'll, I'll I'll whiz down to Southampton, jump on it into Southampton Water, see if it will float to France, and see if I can seek asylum. Yeah, but as a refugee, <laughs> you know. At least you get some petrol. Well, indeed, indeed. Oh, don't even... mate. I can't go up to London on Saturday because I have got no, no petrol in the car. No. There's no. no petrol on sale anywhere around here, and even the fucking trains—they're doing a bus replacement replacement service on Saturday, so I'm not doing that. Take me—I'm not—I'm not spending two and a half to three hours on public transport to get up to London. It's not happening. Crazy. Anyway, enough of me moaning. Enough of politics, as Ben Elton used to say. Uh, who have we got on the show, Mister Kid? Oh, it's just you and me, isn't it? Oh, no, right. sorry, no. Oh no, no, it isn't. Is oh, it? Got other no, people, of course, we? I've got it completely wrong. He does, of course, Grocer Jack himself. It is, of course, the wonderful, marvellous, terrifically, excellently, uh, superbly communicative and opinionated in a lovely way. It is Mr. Tony Glover. Uh, thank you. Um, yes, it's good to be here because um, obviously tonight you were you were expecting somebody else uh, in the shape of Dean. Um, but unfortunately, he's had to pull out and um, in true super sub form, just like Tor Andre Flo. There I am, ready to come on and bang in a hat-trick in the second half. All I always right. got confused why Flo was always a substitute when he'd scored in the previous game. And then he would come on and he'd score three. And lo and behold, next game he'd be sub again. That used to really worry yeah. me. <laughs> you know Some what? players are just born subs, mate. And and uh, and, and no bad thing. Well, t- yeah, Tony's, yeah. you know, we can hardly call him a sub. I mean, he's been a fixture with us for a long time now. Which was, I know He told me something very funny on Saturday, actually, about... Well, I mean, it's probably better he tell, tells the story, but I'll wait for a minute because we want to introduce Dane. Hello, Dane, by the way. Sorry, Dane. Dane. Should have introduced you. Sorry, mate. Sorry. Evening, all. Well, yeah, we were I'm, looking I'm... for the Dane and Dino show, weren't we, originally? Yeah. The, the Chelsea Fancast Beach Boys. Yeah. The Beach Boys, the youth who were going to take yeah. over the show in a <laughs> yeah. few years. So we can yeah. one retire. Them, one of them, the stupid... Well, what's he done having another child? How dare he? <laughs> <laughs> well, he yeah, obviously, he obviously didn't that, pull out of that one, did he? Yeah, it's uh, disappointing because we've been threatening to be on for a while, but but I'm overjoyed to see Tony. We've obviously shared podcasts before, but I've only ever spent one time in the uh, public house with Tony. And you Mm. soon realise our top drawer is company is and how adorable it is. So I'll have to take this for now. Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm okay. I'm okay. I've got a rotten cold, which couldn't have come at a worse time because... One of my closest friends is getting married this week and I'm best man and I really need to be on firing on all cylinders. Uh, but you know. I'll Try not to keep you up too late, Dane, I promise. Well, I'm off this week, so I'm, right. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm trying Good. my best to uh, sweat it out. Good to see you tonight, as it was indeed on Saturday. And as I was saying uh, about Tony, um, you know, we can't really call him a, a super sub because... 
you know he's been a fixture here for a while and uh and i mean actually proof of this was on saturday wasn't yeah. it when you went to this wedding mate tell me what i happened. did yeah go yeah, on because this is a great story uh was this the one where the groom groom is an arsenal fan um and obviously we were pretty well cut off from the world there was no whatever so i was following the game surreptitiously through twitter um and the updates weren't coming quite as quickly as I'd like. Um, and then I suddenly got a tap on the shoulder and this guy stood there and he went, Josh, who's the groom? Josh has sent me over to tell you he's 2-1 to us now. So I said, oh, right, OK. He said, I, t- I assume you're a Chelsea fan. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was it for the rest of the night. And there was about four or five of them there. And at one point we were in the middle of the dance floor Singing, we are top of the league. We are top nah. of the league. <laughs> and top of the league, are having a laugh and all this sort of stuff. And I did go over to the groom uh, at about ten o'clock, and I did say to him, "You know, thanks for the invite, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. I said, and I said it must have been a very emotional day for you. And he went, "Yeah." I said, "Because it's not every day you get a point away at Brighton." And he went, "Fuck off, fuck off." <laughs> What did, did did you tell him you were on the fan cast or something? Yeah, I did. I did. Yes, I told the told these chats that I was on the fan cast, and they drink in the Tommy Tucker right uh, pre and post game, I gather or whatever. And they were one of them just said to me, he "said you 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 grow to Jacqueline." I went, "Yeah, but I'm Tony." He said, "Yeah, but you're grow to Jack on the fan cast, didn't you?" And I went. <laughs> Well, Tony on the fan cast, one grosser Jack on Twitter, that's how, whatever. Um, number one, uh, he said to me, uh, I looked younger than I sounded. <laughs> is that a good thing? That's true, actually. Is that a good thing or whatever? Um, but it, I mean, look, when you go to a wedding, and I'm not joking, they were all in what I would call the hipster fraternity. So they're all, uh, all these young lads were all kind of public school educated um uh you know and they're all doing very well in the city you know the the wedding cost in excess of forty thousand pounds and i think the groom <laughs> paid for it <laughs> he's just having a heart attack here mate. <laughs> yeah exactly but when you meet up and you, you, uh, the, the, the chelsea family bit kicks in yeah and all of a sudden you've got people that honestly the way they were dressed you know with the with the shoes with no socks on and stuff like that which i just you know, Can't they afford socks? No, I'm not, yeah, exactly. I'm not you know. surprised if they're spending that much money on a wedding. Yeah. Right? But I actually, I, I actually chucked away all my prejudices the minute I found out they were Chelsea. There we go. And I think they must have done the same to me. They must have looked and gone aging hippie, long hair, beardy, whatever, like you know. But honestly, it made it made it so great, and it, and it was a bit of a highlight of the night to have five blokes standing in the middle of a wedding, a very posh wedding, singing, we are top of the league, we are top of the league. But don't you um, feel, Tony, you have to prove yourself on occasions like that, which I know I'm sure you do with absolute ease, but just slightly, rather than saying, well, I support Chelsea, you need to then throw in a bit of, you know, not historical knowledge of games. Oh, yeah, there. yeah. I mean, we had you the debate about... It, yeah. but then, they, then they soften because they yeah. go, oh... He really does know his stuff. Yeah, well, so they, we they, knew anyone... was, they knew he was on the fan cast, which I think yeah. is... Well, of course, yeah. they're, well, they're obviously... Amazing. That, that, yeah. you know, I mean, the fan cast... Apropos that, I was walking along with Clayton and I was uh, just going down to, to my seat at uh, Aussie's and um, some bloke <laughs> was walking past and he said, "Yeah, mate, I recognise that voice. He said, he said, you're on the fan cast. He said, you're JK, aren't you? He said, and I went, oh, 
That's very nice of you. Thank you very much. Not, not I recognise your voice because I hear you on innumerable voiceover no, exactly. all week. No, no, no. I heard you on the fan cast. <laughs> the fan cast. We've made said, it. We've made it. Yeah. We've made it. He said, I've just been listening. I've just been listening in the car. He said on the way down. Brilliant. He said, he says, great, really enjoyed it, really good. And I said, well, this is this is Housewife's Choice himself. I said, this is Clayton. And he went, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jonathan, you're really good. But <laughs> <laughs> Clayton said, that was a bit unfair, wasn't it? Clayton said, and I said, yes, it was terribly unfair. Yes, sorry about that. that. Rem- I mean, I know I've told this story many times, but it's the right point to bring it in. But that reminds me after that, that, uh, that match when we lost to Bradford in the Cup. Uh, and you know when Mourinho returned, yeah. and uh, I went down the pub was absolutely battered and very fucked off, and uh, and Jason Cundy was with me on our table, and these two, I think the the, the most pit the, the these two lads were the most pissed I've ever seen anybody in my life, and for me that's saying something, and they were both from uh, Bradford, yeah, you know, all, all speaking like that, you know, or, uh, and uh, they came up to our table. And uh, they basically, they, they came up to me. Jason is sitting next to me. And they came up to me and they said, oh, I know you. You're Jason Cundy, aren't you? And I said, no, 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 that's Cundy. I'm, I'm ch- no, 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 you're Cundy. And, and Jason was had that confused look on his face. He didn't know whether to be laughing his head off or really insulted. It was that beautiful kind of expression you get when that happens. Speaking of Jason, I was, um, I, I, was, I was doing the fan bite, would you believe? Yes. In, in the road. By the by, the town hall. I'd been moved on from various occasions trying to do it from, by people. But my uh, steward said to me, "You can't do that here. Off you go. Off you go." I said, "I'm not doing it. Off you go. Can't podcast or anything here. Off, off." That was on premises, and uh, so I went up the road. Went up, and anyway, I found myself outside the town hall. Was about to do it. Police car went past. About to do it. Somebody else came past in the street. Car comes up. I'm standing there. Window comes down. Mask comes off. It's Jason. <laughs> And he says, he says, you can't yeah. do that here. He says, you know, to play up here. He said, he said, here, Chelsea, Chelsea. He said to me, clearly couldn't remember my name, but knew that I'd been involved with Blue Day. Chelsea, <laughs> Chelsea. He says, he says, uh, he said, he said, I listened to you. I listened to you. He said, you're two minutes. He says, I like that. I like that. There we go. And I said, I said, Chase, that's really. I said, Chase, think am I allowed to call him Chase? You should have said, oi, Candy, Candy. <laughs> Yes, yes, I should have said. But at the time, I was thinking, actually, who is that? Oh, it's Jason Cundy. And um, yeah, so I said, oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Great. Really nice of you. Thank That's you so brilliant. much. That's brilliant. He, he does listen to the show as well. You know, I, I've been That's surprised. Sweet. Yeah, occasionally I phoned him up and he said, oh, I like what you lot were saying the other day. You know, so there we go. We've made it, lads. I think we can actually all now retire. Okay. Actually, we'll just leave it to Dane and Dean and we, we can waltz off into the sunset, happy that we have made an impression somewhere. Anyway, uh, no doubt that will change uh, tonight night once you've uh, heard what we have to say but uh, hey ho um so yeah on the show tonight uh, uh we ponder yet another game affected by refereeing and if uh matt young's in the house i'm I, I this is not aimed at you matt and i'm and i'm and i'm you might not like what i'm going to say tonight so i'm going to get my apology in first uh but this is nothing this is not personal to you because i know you you kind of made a very good point last week in fact but i'm really steamed up about this anyway we are going to ask again is it incompetence or corruption? Uh, in part two, we look at the sublime and ridiculous Werner and Chilwell goals, as well as the encouraging performances of Loftus-Cheek, Hudson-Odoi, Chiloba, uh, Chilwell, yes, J.K. Chilwell, and even, even, 
Werner and Barkley. Yes, I said it. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, in part of the JK's, he's, he's shaking his head already. We'll, we'll just cut him off, lads, tonight. Okay. Yeah. Just, just, just mute him when we go to that bit. Anyway, in part three, uh, we have the results of this week's fannies for the Southampton match. Uh, we've got a few great emails. And of course, we've got this week's winners and losers in the Chelsea Fancast Prem Predictions League. And I have to say, all four of us are in that league, but only one of us is actually doing rather well. Uh, anyway, uh, as ever, don't forget you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7 pm by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast, where you can join off all the other lovely, lovely people that are there already. Just to. Oh, there we go. Ah, amazing. This is why I love Mixler. Matt is in the house tonight. Matt is in Mixler, and he's actually said, I'm on your side this time. So there you go. Fair, fair play, Matt. Fair play. We've got the lovely Kenroy. The lovely, lovely Kenroy from St. Lucia. Is there Kepler? Uh, and who else? Who else? Who else? Disco Donny, brilliant from Sweden. Uh, Brian Justman's in there as ever. Love to see Brian. The lovely Diana, who says JK's fan bites are the best. Kiss. Oh, thank you, Diana. There you go. There you go. Uh, Steve Moe is in there. Loz is there. Donald. Donald's there. Your mate, Tony. Yeah. Don't Don't he, always good to know yeah. he's about. He sent us a cracking email last week. Absolutely boss. Anyway, there were no uh, Captain Pugwash or Ivor the Engine references in it at all. He was not happy man. But anyway, we will move a very on. Very good, um, very good uh, tweet about um, Barkley James. Havertz. Did you see my one about? It's a shame that uh, that um, Emerson hadn't got a middle name of Lake. Yeah, then it would yeah. be Emerson Lake and Palmieri. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> John Nicholson, the great John Nicholson from Football Three Six Five, liked my tweet. I was very Ooh. impressed, but I like John. John's a brilliant bloke. Anyway, honestly, we, we sort of called 15 minutes ago, and we haven't actually talked about anything yet. This is why I love the <laughs> fan cast. No other show can do this. Anyway, we'll be back in a minute. Absolutely nuts. That's how I like to roll. Um, now, before we get along with the main uh, uh, order of business tonight, I think it is incumbent on me to, as I promised I would do at the beginning of the season, that if I saw lots of people out and about on a Saturday at the football, I would give some shout-outs. And, of course, I'm going to do that right now. I saw, of course, the lovely Marco Worrell uh, at the stall and DJ and uh, Jason, a.k.a. Chuckles. The lovely Paul uh, McAvoy from Dublin, dear Dublin, I said to him, go and have a proper Guinness for me when you go home. Uh, of course, in the cock, uh, the wonderful Dan and Dane uh, were there, of course. Dane and Dan had booked the table. So I went out into the garden to see them and have a nice chat with them, even though it was pissing down the rain, because that's how we roll, isn't it, Dane? Yeah, we were. We had a few Guinnesses, not as obviously nice as the ones from... Uh... From Ireland, no. but it was it was it was what it was. It was indeed. We also see the lovely, lovely Nick Stroudley, uh, Loza from the Beautiful Game, Pablo, of course, old friend and podcaster of ours, the lovely Tracy from uh, it's it's one nine oh five, isn't it? The podcast they do. Uh, I waved to Nathan from the Chelsea Grave Society. I gave him the royal wave. Uh, he was with his people in the corner, and I waltzed past. But always lovely to see Nathan. Uh, of course, I had uh, the lovely Pierre. 
uh, and his mate Travis down because I managed to get him a couple of tickets for the game. So it was really lovely to see them. They were so pumped and excited to go and see the game. Um, and then when I got on the ground, I saw the lovely uh, John, who uh, is a few seats down the way from me in Gate 17. But the best, in a funny sense, was yet to come because uh, on the uh, kind of uh, bit behind where I sit, who should I turn around and see standing there but the wonderful Darren Mantle, Dazza Mantle himself, who I haven't seen for ages. So uh, I, I stood up for the whole of the second half and watched the game with him. And Oliver Todd, who, of course, writes for the, uh, the Mail. And uh, as I was going... We'll hear from this lad later on. This bloke who, funnily enough, came up to me at the start to try and sit in my seat. I said, no, mate, you're in you're in row T, trust me. So he went up behind me. But uh, at the end of the match, he goes, yeah, your chids, your chids on the fan. I listen to the fan cast. It's brilliant, mate. Love it. I'll write you an email. So there we go. Ross has done just that. So we'll hear from him later. But the best thing that happened on Saturday, uh, even better than the result, was that before uh, I, got, well, I was on my way to the store and a bloke shouted out at me, Dave, Dave. I looked round and it was a, an old friend I haven't seen for a long, 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 long time who I know has not been well. He's had a very tough time for probably the last two, three years. But is, is, I would say he's one of the nicest people you will meet at Chelsea. Um, he's got me tickets to away games in the past. and I've had the absolute pleasure of standing with him. Um, he used to run the uh, Hastings Blues, one of the biggest supporters organisations in the country. And he is a Class A diamond, this guy. And he's Mark Barfoot. And I cannot tell you how utterly delighted I was to see to see him and also to see him looking so well. It was just a real a real tonic for me, let alone him and his son Dan. So it's lovely to see Mark Barfer. And he and he, he said, Mate, I've had a really tough time, but I go on walks now and uh, I always listen to the fan cast. He says it's been a real tonic for me while I've not been so well. So I mean I felt very humbled by that. But it's lovely to see Mark. Mark, I know you'll be listening, so I just wanted to say it's great to see you, mate, and hopefully I'll see you again very, very soon. So um it was a busy day even before we stepped into the ground. But I have to say, uh, JK, one of the things I was really, really pleased about as it as the news filtered through into the cock, that doesn't sound right, but you know what I mean, um, was that uh, the lineup was very, very, very close to what you and I discussed on Friday. But I mean, in particular, having Chaloba playing, having Loftus-Cheek playing, having Ver... I- Werner and I mean I know we had the mount thing but we had I had Werner and, and Loftus Cheek originally didn't I? You did but the Adoy thing you playing playing on the left was entirely yes. you. Yes, yes. But we 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 I said we got to do that and he yeah. did. He put yeah. Werner on the right. I couldn't believe it. And fantastic touches from him as well, actually. Yeah, Very impressive. it was so good um, to see to see that clearly he listens to the fan cast like like all these other people we mentioned. You know, occasionally he doesn't quite, he doesn't, I wouldn't have picked Werner, he doesn't pay attention to me. I think he pays more attention to you, actually. Jim. Well, I couldn't possibly comment, but obviously, yeah, yeah, obviously. Um, but no, I was encouraged to see that even before the get-go, because it was so what we needed, like we were talking about last Friday, that, that you know, there are underperforming and there are out-of-form players. And I'm sorry, I don't care who they are, if they're underperforming and they're out-of-form, you got to bench them. you got, you know, there are, we have a big squad. Despite their reputation, despite... Yeah. Havertz being the silky German. He is, no. but you know, you've got we've got a lot of good players in that squad and I and I thought what we saw and I think certainly at the beginning chaps we you know what we were saying on Friday JK that some of these players are really hungry. I, Hudson Adoy is hungry. He wants to succeed at this club. Loftus Cheek, I was talking to Kerry earlier on and he was saying he looks like a player who knows that this is his last chance and he's really going for it and he played like that. Chaloba, I think, clearly rates himself and wants to make his presence felt. Werner, we know how desperate Werner is to succeed. Hungry players, keen to impress and they played like that and I thought the first half 
certainly in terms of the pace of which they you know the tempo that they have which has been missing recently but also particularly in how quickly they moved the ball around I can't think why that might have been when you see he was in our midfield but mm-hmm. how quickly they moved the ball around was an absolute joy to see and I, I, I think I think we were absolutely battering them mate that first half the other, other thing of course we got wrong one thing we did get wrong was we didn't well I think you didn't you may have got it right again was that we said that Silver wouldn't play because it would be three games in a row and lo and behold he was picked did that surprise you it did a bit but I have to say he played out of his skin always he, does doesn't he he's a completely immaculate player what a special player Silver is blimey some of the stuff he does it's just that ability to do something when he's under pressure you think oh, a, a, another lesser a lesser centre-half would panic or head the ball away. And he'll do something with it, like he'll he'll head the ball as he's coming down and just head it sideways to a Chelsea player or just deal with it in an, in a, in an absolute immaculate way. He is such a player. My yeah. goodness. And he gets it. Guys, really relish him. Relish yeah. him as you're watching him because he may not be here next year. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant centre-half. Joyous. I, I love him. I, I hope we give him another year. He's just a class apart, really. Dane, I mean, you know, we were having a good natter in the pub before, as we often do. And, uh, you know, we were quite pleased when we saw that lineup. But, uh, I mean, you know, that first half for me actually ticked a lot of boxes. Um, we'll, we'll talk a lot more in part two about, about Loftus-Cheek and the part I think he played in that. But it was just good to see them at it, really. Because Southampton, as I was saying, they are no mugs. Yeah, no, I, I was quite surprised with the lineup. I thought it looked like someone who had the ump with a few players who, who, who was like trying to make you, a you point. You thought that me and JK had picked it, didn't you? <laughs> it did seem. I remember saying to someone, "Yeah, that that, that 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 seems funny." Because if I can if I can recall correctly, the only time those five have played together before was in the cup, uh, the second half of Juventus, obviously. Oh, yeah, the second half of the Juventus day was all on as well. So, yeah, it, it was inspiring. And, no, you're right. You know, uh, Southampton, I know they haven't scored a lot of, of goals recently, struggling to win. But, you know, they, they've been really, like, good at the back, really strong, organised. Uh, but on another day, I thought we could have been 3 or 4-0 up in that first half. I always felt we was in control. There was only one time I remember they looked like scoring, and that was when Walker Peters sort of, had some really good ball movement and and flashed it across the box, but Chilwell did enough to put Walker off and he headed it wide. But yeah, yeah I, I I always felt you know in control and and confident in that first half. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Tony, I know I know you were getting shit faced at a wedding and uh, and enjoying your your, <coughs> your. I was about to say newfound celebrity, but of course we all know that it's been going on for many a year now. <laughs> um, but I would imagine you 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 managed to to get a bit of the match in at some stage. Um, yeah, yes, yeah. I mean, I, I managed to watch. Uh, I got back just in time um, for match of the day, but I got back just too late for our game. But I had seen various clips on Twitter throughout the afternoon, and, and there was a couple of feeds going on that we found. Um, it, was, it was too jerky. There was just not enough signal there, and, and what have you. But um, I was uh, pleasantly surprised by the team selection, um, and the reason I say that is because I came on to my first fan cast this season after the Spurs game, I think it was, and, and, and we'd you know, trounced them or whatever. Um, and then, of course, we faced um, City and uh, we didn't start playing until City scored. And I was a bit concerned about that and the Juventus performance in midweek. And I, I felt that Alonso, for a start, was just prancing around the field like a fairy for two games. Absolutely fucking hopeless, like a baby giraffe on, on, on dope. Um <laughs> And uh, and I just thought to myself, 
this is another case where Ben Chilwell, who's sitting on the bench, who did nothing wrong, right, last season and looked really, really promising. I think he's a better crosser and a better goal scorer um, than Alonso would, would get a chance. And lo and behold, he did. Chalabar, well, where's he come from? Because I could, but we did plenty of this last season and barely anybody ever mentioned him. Um, and suddenly he's come in. And, and do you know what I like about him? Swagger. Blimey. There's a boy that's not short of confidence. And I've got absolutely no issue with it if he's following it up with good performances. As he did that he great is. moment, didn't he, when he got the ball and dribbled it out past two players and we yes. were all going, we we're all going, oh, no, oh, yeah. And then oh, gave yes. it to Loftus-Cheek, oh. who set up a brilliant yeah. attack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, and that's my other point, Loftus-Cheek. Uh, I'm not going to talk about Werner. You know what I think of Werner. I think he's a brilliant player. I think he's going to be really, really key as, the, uh, as a foil to Lukaku because he scares the shit out of defenders with his pace. But Loftus-Cheek, when he came on against City, there was a few of us that were head in hands where I said, oh, no, I mean, that's going to make any difference against this. And it did. And he became a linchpin in the middle of that field and created some of the only good football that we played that afternoon. Um, And to see him come back, I think Kerry Dixon has got that absolutely bang on. If he's saying that he's playing like a player who knows this is the last chance, um, and it's a shame it's had to get to that, really. Um, but he does look quality. He's got energy. He's got pace. Um, and what's more, I, I know I'm going to get slaughtered for this, but he's quite a calming influence when he gets the ball, like Balak used to be. Yeah, He can he stop the ball. Because he doesn't give it away, mate. Yes. And he gets them out of shit. Yeah. And yeah. he breaks so forward. I, it's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So I, I was really pleased with the team. Uh, from what I've seen of the highlights, hodgepodge of highlights of the game, that it, it looked like we were in control. I've got a lot to say on some of the other subjects, like refereeing. Well, well I'm going to get onto that now because yeah. I think we're all in agreement. We've all said as much that we were playing really well. We were attacking a lot. We were um, very much on the uh, front foot for the first most of that first half. And I and I, you know, I definitely think we should have been two or three. Nil up. De- I mean, I think the, the, the Lukaku goal was clearly offside, so I'm not counting that. But we had some other good chances. But that Werner goal, uh, you know, that goes in. That's game over for me. You know, they're not coming back from that and they know it. And instead, I mean, I don't even know where to start with this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you a couple of things because it might calm me down. <laughs> Okay, Uh, this is from Ian Roger, the lovely Ian Roger, who's brilliant. He always, if you're not following on Twitter, follow him. Ian's been going almost as long as JK has. He's a proper old school fan and a very lovely bloke. And he's, uh, he worked in PR, still does work in PR, I think. So he's always getting like little uh, snippets from the, from the papers. And I think this is uh, either from the Times or the Telegraph, but this is, so I don't know who it was from, which is a bit annoying, but this, I'll just read this out. Uh, He was not in the stadium. But the guiding spirit of Mike Dean was everywhere, ruling out goals and dishing out red cards from his remote position in front of the screens at VAR headquarters. The VAR review to rule out Werner's first half goal went so far back in the tape that he might have been in danger of ending up in last Saturday's home defeat to City. There were 19 seconds between a foul by Captain Aspilicueta on Kyle Walker-Peters and then Werner nodding in Hudson-Odoi's cross, long enough for Walker-Peters to be the closest defender to the German striker when the ball came into the area. Mm. I mean... Incredible. It, it was an incredible decision. I mean, it's just, I'm, I'm going to start with JK because he, yeah. he is, out of all of us, the only qualified referee. But, I mean, where do you start with that, JK? Well, I've been watching 
lots of the uh, the other games the weekend, and um, uh, I think they've made a decision uh, hardly to involve VAR now. And um, uh, so I was utterly bemused that uh, because um, Atkinson uh, hadn't given a foul, that, that any foul was given. But um, uh, if Dean's reaction yesterday in the City game was anything to go by when... Um, uh, um, uh, who was it? Uh, um, who's the little bloke who plays seven for Liverpool? Milner. Milner. So that's a what? What? Milner. Mil yeah, when Milner fouled. Um, oh. Uh, 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 I can't even remember the City player. So this is really a ridiculous. Silver. Silver. Yeah, yeah well silver, done. Yeah. Fouled Silver as he was he was going up pace, and um, and Henderson, of course, said his usual volley of words uh, as if Silver had dived or something, and then. Um, uh, was it Tierney? Was that the referee? Or was that his name? What's the name of the referee? Yeah. There? Yeah. He he didn't do anything about it. And then they had a close-up of Guardiola going completely berserk and Dean looking stony-faced, looking down at him as if, you know, uh, he made the correct decision. You <laughs> just think the power that is in this bloke, the, the bloke wields power. And, it, and even, as you said, even from a distance. Now, the trouble is, though, it was a foul. Dave did foul him. Let's be honest, even though it was 20 seconds before. So the uh, the pedant in me could say he saw the foul. It wasn't that it was far away from the move. He's given the foul. However, if they're going down the route at the moment, which is you pay attention to what the referee's doing on the field, it sh there should have been no attention paid to it, which is that's the that's the theory they appear to have at the moment, which is foul after foul after foul is being ignored. The number of penalties on match of the day that should have been given that weren't because VAR were, are now ignoring it. So the game now flows to a degree that is ludicrous, there being VARs. We've gone exactly in the opposite direction. Um, it seemed to me that the goal should obviously have been given because it was 20 seconds before. But it's Dean. So Dean is going to interfere because he enjoys being able to make that kind of decision. And I have to say, he got the to me, he got the... Um, the uh, the sending off absolutely right because yeah, no, I, I agree with yeah, that fair enough but uh, but but the to look at the awfulness of that Atkinson was standing on top of the bloody incident so why didn't he see it for goodness sake it was so obvious that he'd played the man and, and his leg was off the ground and so that and it's, it's, I, a, it's, I, I, it's well, I will well, tell you what we'll, we'll, play. we'll let's, let's deal with the red card okay, in, in okay, part two because I, I desperately want to instance, argue with you yeah. on it but I think let's wait until the second half but you see my theory behind this is that if they're allowing games to, to flow which they are and not giving fouls the consistency of this is the goal should obviously be given but it was a foul and I think the last very season, very innocuous yeah, but he still kicked him, whatever. But regardless, but but it, I could see this being given last year because of the, the the forensic quality of everything. They looked at everything. Now they're letting things go. The very fact that they give the foul is uh, disallow the goal is ridiculous. It's utterly ridiculous. Mm, it is, and I think I think um, you know, Dane J.K.'s got got Dean's number. I mean, God, it wouldn't be hard. He, he publishes it in the Times every bloody week, doesn't he? But you know, only Mike Dean would want to interfere in a match to that extent because i mean this is what i said earlier on in the build-up that he's either incompetent or he's corrupt or he's just a narcissist and i i said it could be a combination of all three i mean I, i'm gonna i'm gonna i want to talk about the corruption bit in a minute but you just knew didn't you i mean it was it's really funny don I'll, I'll share this with you right because i was absolutely apoplectic with rage as all this was going on like 
most of us in the stadium, apart from bloody Darren Mantle, who said, mate, you're wearing a tinfoil hat, you are. You're just, you'd see bloody conspiracies everywhere, mate. You know, I was absolutely spitting. But, um, and I was saying, I said, who's in VAR? Who's in VAR? I said, I bet it's Mike Dean. I had no idea who was in ah. VAR. I said, I bet you it's some prick like Mike Dean. And, and then I looked onto Twitter at halftime, and sure enough, it was Mike Dean. He's a real issue, isn't he? Yeah, I don't, I, I thought it was a goal. I, I thought it was so clear a goal that I decided that was the time I'd go down and tolerate <laughs> a halftime singer beer. <laughs> it was only when I was downstairs and they disallowed it that I questioned what was worse, the VIR decision or the singer beer. Yeah, close uh, to that. But they, they kept replaying it on the screen and Walker Peters didn't even complain. He didn't even look at the lines. No. So I don't know if it was like a really tight thing where he actually slips or what. For him not to complain and not put his hands up was was surprising. But as you, as Tuchel said, you know, there was three phases to that. Yes. And, uh, and 19 seconds later and we scored. Why bother coming down in the summer saying, we, 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 you know, we're not going to blow up for the silly little flowers. It has to be in a certain phase and we won't pull it back on VAR. Even Tuchel, well, he obviously was fuming. He got he got a, he got a yellow card, and he was still fuming. Yeah, it's, you're right. Once we found out it was Mike Dean, it's just freaking laughable. I mean, yeah. what what really troubles me, Tony, is that whether it's incompetence, whether it's narcissism, whether it's corruption, almost immaterial, really. These bastards never get held to account. No, ever. No, that's what really troubles me. There's a couple of things here. One. I, I was going to just describe Mike Dean as the. Uh, it, there's a theory by uh, Rene Descartes about the evil genius that we're all controlled um, by an evil genius and, and that existence is therefore just a, an illusion. But he's not an evil genius, he's an evil fuckwit. <laughs> right? Uh, and he's. He he just ruins not just our games, he ruins so many games. He struts. He's the narcissism. I think you're right. I'm not going to go with the corruption because I don't really think that i think the narcissism is enough for him to be a complete and utter arsehole right he 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 wants the attention okay and and he goes about it by making bad decisions right now you know i i'm i get what jay was saying but i'm only in favor of a foul happening and the ref blowing at the time there's no doubt then whistle foul fuck off players it's a foul. It's a free kick to Southampton. But he didn't do that. Well, clearly because he, he didn't think it was. Well, exactly well, so the, that. So why has he been called fly. back? And the he, linesman was there, Tony. The linesman didn't, didn't exactly fly. Exactly that. Walker Peters never never, never put his hand up for it. He didn't think it was a foul. It was so innocuous, right? Uh, and and I, I look at that and then I think to myself, why did you let play carry on? Whatever, okay. Uh, it, we, we were definitely robbed of a, of a good goal there. It's not VAR's fault either, because we saw VAR in the World Cup in 2018, and we saw it again in the Euros. It works perfectly well if the level of competency is high enough, okay? And how many times we saw referees in the Euros within seconds, straight over to the screen to have a look, okay? This was, like you said, how far back in a passage of play are you going to go? And not only that, it wasn't the only passage of play. It was, as you said, it was three three passages along. Um, so I think it is utter incompetence. And I think it's British exceptionalism as well at play. In our game, our referees do everything different to the referees across the continent and across the world. They think there's something special, right? And they sit there and they have absolutely fucking ruined the game 
through VAR or through VAR because they don't know what they're looking at, right? How else can you explain why we have these interminable VAR reviews that go on for fucking two minutes, right? To come to a decision that we've all seen, that the referees probably seen. So I think, you know, Mike Dean's the worst of the bunch. I think, he, you know, he really is. It's time to put him out of pasture, right? Um, he, he's not even Dr. Evil. He's not as funny as Dr. Evil, right? He's just utterly, utterly incompetent, narcissistic. He's in it for himself. He's trying to make a name for himself. No doubt there's a brilliant punditry job lined up for him when he, when he finally gets kicked out of the game with any sense or whatever. Uh, and I think it, ro- it robbed the player who's had 16 goals disallowed, yeah. I think. Tony spot on, exactly. Unbelievable. Right? And it's yeah. robbed the player of a good goal in which he has played no bad part or whatever. And it, it, it cannot be for any other reason... I, I, I get the bit because we did say we weren't going to, you know, go into dangerous territory. But you already made a comment about Asian yeah. betting <laughs> because Chincha, you know. But I just—I don't give a fuck, Tone. Yeah, I just think there's something very, very wrong when that that man has been proven wrong. He's been reviewed post matches so many times, and yet he's seen, he's like Boris fucking Johnson. He's fucking bulletproof. Yeah. Exactly. You know. Well, I mean, you know, like all of us here. I mean, you know, we've all been following the game for most of our lives and a very long time that is too certainly for some of us um and i just can't i can't in my heart of hearts believe that referees are corrupt however referees are also human and you know i remember in the 70s there are two well there are three standout games for me where I, I, you know, the level of incompetence was just so utterly woeful and inexplicable mm. that you just have to think, well, maybe. And the three games are the Leeds United Bayern München European Cup final in 1975, I think it was, mm. uh, where the referee was later proven to have been corrupt. The Notts Forest, sorry, Nottingham Forest versus Anderlecht, I think it was a Waffer Cup match. Uh, where again the referee was later pro- proven proven guilty, Your Honour, to have been corrupt and paid off. So we know this happens. So to pretend that it doesn't happen, I think, is somewhat naive. Even though in my heart of hearts, I don't believe refereeing is corrupt in this country. And then, of course, there's the infamous Thomas Overbro, which is the mm-hmm. most inexplicable refereeing decision I have ever seen in my life. And then you add up a lot of the other stuff. I mean, this is where we get a bit, the chidge gets a bit tinfoil hat, and I apologise for that. But it was Barcelona, UEFA's chosen team. We are hated by UEFA, etc., etc., etc. Yeah. The thing that really strikes me at the moment, I think, you know, I can't remember. I mean, I know JK was on the show, so I, I, can, I can ask him. I can't remember who else was on it at the time. But when we had the Anthony Taylor incident, mm. we found that incredible graphic, didn't we? of uh, points lost while Anthony Taylor was refereeing top six teams. And funnily enough, Man City and Chelsea were the most hard done by and Liverpool and Man United were the biggest beneficiaries. Now, okay, coincidence, possibly. Look at the refereeing yesterday. Who benefited from that most? Uh, I'll give you two seconds. Liverpool. You know, Milner should have been sent off. Yes. Every week, Liverpool and Man United seem to get the decisions. And I wonder if it's not corruption, okay? Maybe, maybe it's unconscious bias. Now, I'm a psychotherapist, so I'm supposed to know a little bit about the unconscious. Now, 
over the last two or three years uh, with the racism issue, um, particularly the you know where the Black Lives Matter movement started, one of the key areas in that was was something called unconscious racism where people don't actually realize that that they're being racist or 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 behaving in a racist way but it's very it's so endemic in them for very very you know a plethora of reasons that it comes out and i'm wondering if you've got a similar thing here with refereeing in this country because there's a lot of people in the game who don't like chelsea and don't like man man city and the reason they don't like them is they upturn the apple cart when roman came in and they brought a lot of money a lot of foreign money yeah. into it and a lot of people in the game don't like that and Liverpool and Man United are seen as the you know the old-fashioned traditional British clubs yeah. and I wonder if what we're actually talking about is not corruption but unconscious uh unconscious bias who would like uh, to take that no, on? Yeah. Dane oh yeah no I was I was going to say to Tony as well you know when when they said it robbed weren't it robbed us because we had a nice sing and dance when Werner scored that second goal I can't believe I put so much effort into that celebration for them to disallow a bit but yeah, going on, going on that maybe I don't know. We talk about naivety, but in today's times, I can't believe corruption is in our in the British game at the top level. Incompetent, yes, like you said. Would it have gone against Manchester United, Liverpool? No. But to me, that's just big club bias. Mm. We see it sometimes. We only see it for us if we play a team deemed smaller than us. But we've witnessed it for years with Man United, Liverpool, and whether you like it or not, we are not viewed as a big club. So yeah. we will not get that big club bias when it comes to, you know, yeah. games like this, at this level. I think you're right. I've done the unconscious bias training as, as part of my role. Um, and so I really, and, and when you do it, it can be quite eye-opening because you actually don't realise it. Um, that's that's the eye-opener because you, you're proudly going around saying you're not racist. But, not and racist, suddenly, but that's the clue. Well, it is, but, it, you know, you find suddenly you, you have unconsciously done something which would, indicate that bias is there now you know you can't do much about it apart from be aware of it and try to fix it because obviously it's part or part of your culture and the way you grow up now but i think you're right i think your point about uh the way we are viewed and manchester city are viewed and any other breakthrough club would be i think is that we are new money it's so you could go back to the 1920s or 1930s when you had these new millionaires etc whatever and the the upper echelons of society and still to this day the landed gentry those people who uh, feel that they are there by right and that this new money is vulgar in some way even though they're stinkingly far richer than 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 than, than anybody else is is in some way wrong and and that that's a societal thing, and I'm not—I'm not even taking the piss here. It's a societal thing, and I wonder whether that is part and parcel of this. Because, like you said, you've got this—you know—Liverpool traditionalist, Man United, great history, blah 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 blah—and then in comes a couple of clubs. You know, let's be fair. Go back 25 years or 30 years, whatever. Everton were one of the big four. Yeah, and and and, and, and Spurs, arguably, I suppose, in that sense. And I just look at it and think there is something about the fact that we funded we broke a model we were disrupted and man city equally as disruptive to the traditional model or, or whatever how football clubs are run and and success or whatever and like, you do wonder whether they are still blazers uh in the fa that don't like that yeah. don't well, want it and i, I well the fa I have nothing to do right. with it to be yeah. honest tone but i i just want i mean i think the unconscious bias things are true. i'm gonna find yes. a word to jk who's been sitting there incredibly pensively I can almost see the cogs going around in your huge brain, JK. What's going on in there? Uh, we're upstarts, aren't we? Mm. That's the thing. 
we're upstarts, despite um, uh, most of the clubs who were supposedly these great working class icons themselves having been the consequence of men with large pots of money. It was the fact that we came in and disrupted everything and um, uh, people won't um, won't forgive us. You know, I mean, Mike Dean, uh, who does he, Oldham, as he made such a song and dance about, didn't he? No, From, it's... Uh, uh, it's um, sorry, Tranmere. Tranmere, yeah. as he made such a song and dance. I mean, uh, with a ludicrous, ludicrous uh, um, exhibition of idiocy that somehow became... Nobody said this man is a complete prat, did they? They just <laughs> somehow accepted that his going completely over the top was uh, was the right way to behave um but uh yeah we're um we're 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 still considered um uh an example of somebody who should be put in their place i yeah, think i think you're right and I, don't, I don't think this is um, this has ever stopped it happened in the 60s as well when mm. um people resented the fact that a a, a london side um uh, who before had always been an underachiever and that was their level could suddenly become uh want, want its place on the high table and uh and we were given a hard time well, then as well you, you we know dismissed as playboys in that that period yeah. well you know jk you 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 what a brilliant point thank you because you know it's really lovely to get that kind of 60s perspectives but you are dead right because football up until then was really seen as a northwestern it's a northerners game really you know the, all, all, all the football traditions seem to have hailed from the northwest or the northeast. Well, I think I just said I think there was a slight residue from that going even back even further. Yeah. When public schools from London ran the football league, yeah. and the, and the northern sides came in and 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 put it up them by beating them yeah. by suddenly yeah. becoming a powerhouse. And I think that there there was a there's a, an element of that the class still, thing going yeah, on really. Class thing still yeah. continuing. Yeah. Well, I mean the the interesting thing about the the class thing therein is that of course the only two London sides were there, who were therefore acceptable in in that scheme of things were of course Arsenal and Spurs, both of whom had won a fair bit, Arsenal particularly, obviously. Um, so I think Chelsea have always had this problem as a London club because we're never seen in the same... And I don't think we'll ever be seen in the same way that Arsenal and Spurs, who are part of the establishment, are. Exactly. And I think you're right. It goes back to those the, the 50s and the 60s, even the 30s, actually. I mean, the 30s, we were seen as a joke club, a musical club. Yeah, completely. But if, And also Arsenal, I have to remember, in that period were were hugely funded. I can't remember the the names of the people who funded them, but they not, they, the, they, not the Hill Woods. And uh, uh, prior to them, wasn't it? I think I can't They bought Chapman from Huddersfield, and he was just bought. You know, yeah. they got him. They yeah. bought all the top players. So to say that um, um, you know, Chelsea, this whole process of Chelsea just being uh, successful entirely due to money is um, is every every chairman hopes that his input will cause the club to make him even more money. And in many instances, the, the influx of money doesn't work. In this instance, with Arsenal in the 30s, it made them into the best team in England yeah. for a period. But uh, and, and but it's no good then saying that is their reputation. They deserve to be there. It's like Spurs playing good football in 60 and 61 and being uh, and having good money behind them. Then they it, it ultimately doesn't bring success necessarily having money but there's still great resentment from people if it if it it, it changes the status quo and yeah. chelsea have changed the status quo along with city so it doesn't surprise me that uh, referees um 
there, there is, as you say, an unconscious bias. But I, I wouldn't be surprised to say it isn't even unconscious, Chidge. Yeah. Well, I think in some instances it's, it's. I don't like this team. I, I, I resent this team. And uh, oh look, I won't give this decision yeah. to them. I think it might even be really, really quite. I'm going to favour the other side. Yeah. I don't like this team. Which, which, funnily enough, to bring this round to a conclusion, is of course corrupt but anyway we'll leave that for another day because i I am sure we'll be talking about this again uh on a a special matt matt who uh i mentioned earlier in mixler also posts on here that he's also a qualified referee so matt Uh if if you're in here every week and we're talking absolute arse gravy about a decision to do put a post up here if you know more about it than inevitably we will we'll debate it because remember i I, it won't be arse gravy if i've said it chidge thank you i I said us not not but i was kind of us us gravy rather than us no no I said ask gravy, but I was kind of immediately eliminating you from that because I know you are also, like Matt, a qualified referee. But I could be talking ask gravy though, because you, you know I, I've refereed for fifteen years. Well, there when, you go. So you when better. the when the bloke chased me around the corner, around the outside the changing rooms with a knife, I thought that was a good time. I think, just I think you're probably right there. Um, all right, okay, uh, we're going to go to part two in a second. But before we do that, I need to let all of you know um, that we are uh, obviously it's the international break next. Uh, next well as of now really isn't it so friday night we were planning to do another 50 years of chelsea and we are up to 1998 1999 however however i got a a phone call from the wonderful mark Meehan today who is uh he's unavailable this friday having said he was available um and frankly mark is is the show these days i mean he's just so good i just can't i can't bear the thought of not doing it with mark on board jk is nodding away so we're going to park that one, and we'll we'll probably do that in the next international break, which I have a horrible feeling is in November, isn't it? Is there another international break in November? It nearly always is. Yes. Yeah, so we'll we'll do it. I think there's more, isn't there, this year because it's the build up to the yeah. World Cup, isn't it? And it's in a shorter time scale, right. isn't it? So we we will do that in the next international break, which I think is November. And instead, on Friday, we will have the night off because I've got a lot to do anyway this week. But on Monday, in in uh, lieu of the normal Monday night show. We've uh, we're going to do a Q and A, another Q and A Chelsea Fancast Q and A special. So uh, we've got me, J.K., uh, Mark Worrell, Mark Meehan, and Adam Newson, who will be on the show live next Monday. And uh, if you are a Patreon member, then you are uh, you you will be most welcome to actually join us live on Zoom. Um, if you're not a Patreon member, then you can still listen to it on Mixler like you normally would and ask questions through there. But uh, the Patreon people who want to join us are more than welcome to do so and uh, we've done them before and they are i mean i know i'm sorry it's a crap time for people who are living possibly in the states and even worse in australia but monday night seven o'clock is when we do the monday night show so i can't do anything about that but i will try and do one over a weekend uh, so the uh, americans and the australasians uh, amongst us can can actually listen live too so don't forget that next monday q a if you're a patreon member i put a post up on patreon and a post up on discord just let me know you want to come along and i will send you the zoom link right after the break we're going to be talking more about the chelsea saints game Cheech. jk in all the years you've been following chelsea you hardly ever miss a match home or away but how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on tv oh chich i'd be bereft inconsolable the thought of missing my beloved blue boys live <laughs> it's all too much <laughs> i know jk i know it's all a bit too much isn't it yes <laughs> well panic not nord vpn have come to the rescue 
they have. Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I am, of course, uh, Stanford Chidge, and I am joined, as ever, by the veritable Jonathan Kidd. I am feeling very veritable. <coughs> excuse me. A nut went down the wrong way. That's my excuse, anyway. And we've also got the delightful Tony Glover. Bonsoir. Lovely to see Tone coming in as super sub, and, of course, last but by no means least, the wonderful Dane. Evening, everyone. Good to see you, mate. How are you feeling? Are you coping? Yeah, yeah, I'm good actually. Yeah, I'm good. I was going to say if we get if we get a chance later, uh, we I've got sent in a possible new song for the terraces from a guy off Instagram. So if if uh, JK knows the uh, lyrics to uh, Harry Belafonte, Dano, <coughs> then uh, which one? He might be able to sing it. Harry, the lyric, so it's a tune to the Harry Belafonte song. If I want to go home, yeah. WhatsApp's not working, so what I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll message text it to you. All right. Uh, is WhatsApp still not working? Yeah. yeah, all the Facebook stuff's down. Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp. WhatsApp. What's up with WhatsApp? <laughs> That's very good, but I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole with you. Okay, and Facebook's down too. <laughs> yeah, they're all suffering apparently. There's some server problems or something. Yeah. Oh well, maybe maybe Mike Dean's done a VAR on them. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Back to the football. Um, I think. Look, the upshot, the upshot of us uh, not, um, you know, Werner's goal being disallowed, meaning that would have been two 0 up. Meaning, I think the game would have been over. Was that, you know, Southampton came out the second half, and uh, as I said, as I keep and I will keep saying, Hassan Hootel is a good manager, and he basically, um, you know, I think set Southampton up very differently in the second half and it worked but I, I also wonder um, 
I mean, this is a this is an interesting idea. I don't know if you'll agree with this, but I, I argued with Dazza about this at the time. You know, he was very much, oh, we're playing like shit, oh, we're playing like shit. And I said, well, I I, I just wonder what, what the... I mean, you know, footballers are still human. I know they're supposed to be professional and all of that lot, but and of course they are. But I just wonder what impact it has on you when you're playing really, really well. You know you should have put Southampton to bed at half-time. And that prick Mike Dean denies you a second goal, which would mean, which would mean game over. I wonder if that does filter into you and think, well, you know, whatever we bloody do, it's not going to be, we're playing against 12 men here, you know. And, and I wonder if it dispirits you or knocks you off your stride a bit. Because they look like, they, 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 I think the early part of that second half, JK, that's what it looked like to me. I think your crest falls, doesn't it, Chief? Yeah. And um, if you think that uh, the ref's against you, um, uh, it's uh, it's going to be an uphill struggle. I mean, he did change it round, didn't he, quite competently, Hassan Hootl. He did, he did. He did. So, um, and I didn't feel that there was a... I thought we were all over them in the first half and uh, uh, and we deserved to be supposedly 2-0 up. But um, I felt, I still feel that... that the weirdness of playing this team is you don't quite get the same fluidity that you get when you play um, uh, the usual suspects, uh, because I think they, whether they're used to playing together more because they play in the first team more, but the ball wasn't pushed around as well, even though it was being pushed around more quickly. And um, uh, I have to disagree with Tony slightly. I mean, I agree with you completely that Alonso did indeed wander around like a baby giraffe with its, its um, in, in slippers. For most of the uh, most of the last two games, and we discussed this, in fact, on the on the Friday show as to what on earth had happened to him, and that perhaps he was only ever good for about seven games at the beginning of the season, and then thought his ego was such that he thought he didn't have to do much. But um, and Chilwell, let's be honest, at the end of last season was absolutely fabulous, completely fabulous performances from him regularly, especially in the with its with its epigee at the. Um, uh, at the Champions League final, where he was utterly superb. And however, I think he was impaired by having not getting a game in the England side. We talked about this, and at the same time, and um, and not um, uh, yeah. and not coming back fit. And yeah, so, yeah. I actually don't think he had a very good first half and a very good set in the beginning of the second half. And he 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 he. As I've got a picture actually, I took of him being embraced by one of the Chelsea coaches at the end because. Uh, they were aware that he was he he, he he just wasn't playing up to his usual level because he, he has a very high level chill which when he plays well he's one of the best left backs in the in in the land and i don't quite therefore get why he wasn't played in the in the in the uh in the european championships didn't make any sense to me at all um but um uh so when he committed that penalty when the foul when in fact as i said in my fan bite, it was possibly one of the most obvious penalties well, it, yeah. ever seen in the history of the world yeah, yeah. um uh, on on uh, on Livramento, who had a decent game for them. Um, you, you just—I thought, well, this is typical. But his goal was great. Yeah, well, it was a fantastic volley. We're going to get onto that. We're going to get onto yes. that. But let's, but, let, but, let's um, go back to the red card because I thought yeah. that was interesting. Sorry, the the, the uh, penalty and then the red card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The penalty. Well, the penalty incident was was yeah. obvious, was, wasn't it? Uh, he, he was no, so no. off the pace with that. Sorry, we've got. I've gone away from the question you originally asked me. I do apologize. Well, not really. I think you covered it brilliantly well and weaved in other stuff too. Actually, you segued perfectly. In fact, thank but, you. Thank you very much. I mean, it was it, the penalty. I mean, of course, you know that the point is, you know, Southampton suddenly find themselves at one all in a game yeah, that they yeah, should have been three nil down. 
remember yes. you asked me about the were they being affected and i said their crests had fallen and then but that happens yeah. that's going to make it yeah. worse yeah and it was the fluidity of the team i didn't think we were playing as you know the best football we played last season there were some league games where we didn't play very well which we seem to be forgetting about like you know even villa and the 3-3 against southampton we which we played under tuchel we played better and better as the season went on but then some league games we didn't and i've been feeling that recently but i felt with the combination with having lukaku up front suddenly um I think they're not quite sure. We still don't know how to play with him. And so the, the defence, let's be honest, the defence are great. The defence is a very good defence. Rudiger's great. He didn't play um, Christensen for whatever reason. Um, Silva's great. Um, um, uh, Chalabar had, a, had an excellent game. And Dave's always solid, even though he isn't. You wouldn't pick him if Reese James was available because Reese would provide the crosses supposedly for, for mm. Lukaku. But we're worried about the midfield. We can't work out what's happening. So he obviously didn't play. Um, Jorginho and he played um, Kovacic so all right it's not quite working the ball didn't seem to be he played when the ball di didn't seem to be moving well you couldn't quite work out what is it? they didn't have a shot they weren't shooting were they in the game they weren't having any shots on goal so and Lukaku was only involved in one move and that was the offside goal so there's something not quite gelling so when Southampton then started off in the second half I thought fair enough and, and weirdly when when Chilwell did the pen I thought well, this is sort of this is makes sense, really. But I've I've I actually felt in the crowd a malaise, a feeling of of, you know, we were we had been denied the obvious goal. And I felt I felt upset. <coughs> by it. So uh, I'm sure that we transmitted it to the team and I'm sure the team were feeling the same way, because, yes, if you score an absolutely legitimate goal and you know, Dave didn't stop talking to 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 the ref all the way off off to Atkinson all the way off the pitch to half time you know about it because if you score a legitimate goal and it's you're denied you think everybody is against you and and he took advantage of that Hassan Hootel initially and I felt it was very brave then of of um, I mean obviously the the red card turned the game round completely in the madness of it but at the same time uh, Tuchel's uh, substitutions were were inspired well I'm going to stop you there but I agree totally and utterly because I think um... I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, going, talking to Kerry before, he thought the... Uh, he was actually surprised. He thought the support was brilliant on, on Saturday. And he's, you know, quite right. Noticed that quite often when we play a shit team and it isn't a big match, the crowd can be a bit soporific, you know. But he was, So he was really surprised. He said, yeah, but the reason for that, Kerry, is we were all thoroughly pissed off with the refereeing decisions. And we were angry. And when, that, when a crowd gets angry at Chelsea or stoked up by some controversy, suddenly the whole thing revs up. And we were very, very revved up, even before that red card. Um, and I think, you know, particularly revved up also by conceding that penalty, because although it was absolutely clear pen, the injustice of it in the bigger picture, as yeah, I said, yeah, yeah. of being one all and actually yeah. looking a bit ropey when we should have been 3-0 up and home and hosed, pissed everybody off. Yeah. But... Um, you see, that red card was interesting, wasn't it? Because from where I sit, I, I was convinced. I thought, there's no way that's a red. That's a come on. It's a 50-50 ball. They're both good. He had to go for it. You know, blah, blah, blah. But actually, when I got home and I watched it on Match of the Day, and okay, I know they it makes it a lot worse when you see it in slow-mo 50 times. But yeah, I can understand why that was a red. So fair enough. And But it did change the game because Southampton were in the ascendancy at the time and suddenly they're thinking, oh, for God's sake, now we're 10 men, we're ten men against Chelsea. That's even twice as hard. But you're right, uh, Tony. He brought oh. on... He brought on Jorginho, he brought on Mount, and he brought on Barkley. And I think you can you can say that those 
changes really made a difference. I mean, Jorginho does what Jorginho does. You know, he kept hold of the ball, kept it ticking along. Uh, Mount brought some energy, you know, at a time when we were flagging a bit. Mount was excellent. Yeah, wasn't he? And, And Barkley is just completely an enigma wrapped around an enigma but that pass that he made yeah. for for Werner's goal well it, it, it is world. I, I mean we're going to do our fannies later but it, it's obviously nominated for the Guinness moment so it's kind you got you kind of have got to also hand it to Tuchel for making the right changes and and you know the right changes at a time when they were needed I think well uh, I mean I think if Tuchel is doing what he what I think he should and any good coach should be doing which is looking at players like Barkley and that and saying where did it go wrong? How can I put this right? That should be any decent manager's challenge, right? Look at the players. Can I fix it? If the answer's no, fuck them off out of it. If the answer's yes, work with them and see what you can do. Maybe that's what he's doing. Mount makes the difference for me, okay? He's been a bit quieter this season because he's been injured for a, a, a little while and he's missed a, probably more games this season than he has in the last two. And uh, and if he has a quiet game, of course, that gives the Boo Boys a chance to have a go at him. You know, it's Lampard's son again and all that old rubbish that we had to only, put up. Only on before. social media, mate. Yeah, but it, I think, you know, but I think when he comes on and when he comes on like he did on Saturday, it, there's an immediate lift in the crowd and then the team sense that as well. OK, and I think that does transmit through. Um, uh, and, and, and it was good to see those substitutions happen. Now, on the red card... Yeah, because obviously we were sitting there at a wedding thinking, shit, is he going to is he going to go? Is he going to go? And then Teresa, who had you know uh, who had my 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 seat, sent me and said, this is if he isn't if he isn't ready, then there's something wrong with the game. You know, after what happened earlier, uh, and when you see it, yes, it's a red card. I thought it was maybe a harsh red card. I've seen that if you look at what Milner got away with yesterday, yeah. uh, then you've got to say there's some massive inconsistency. But then. When you, when you watch it back and then you think that Reese James got sent off against Liverpool for an accidental fucking handball on the line or whatever that he could have done nothing about. And I looked at James Ward-Press and thought, fuck ya, bollocks to ya. <laughs> what goes round comes round, swings and roundabouts. So, you know, you win some, you lose some, you've lost it some, we've won it this time. And I just felt that that was, uh, you know, the, the, it was the correct decision, I think, in hindsight. But I do think at the time, had I been there, I would have thought that looked like a 50-50 ball, like you said. At the, in real time, it was a very difficult decision. Now, that's where VAR did work. But, but again, that's just the point I want to make. On the substitutions, you know, look at the players that, this, that have been given a run out. Barkley? Rubens lost his cheek? You know, Chalabar, who I think has pretty much come from nowhere because, you know, all the fan casts I did last season, I don't remember any of us ever mentioning He was, mentioned at, he was at Lille, wasn't he? At Lille last year. Yeah, so... You know, it, it really is promising. All I said, and I stick by what I said the last time I was on the fan cast, which is I'm not going to get carried away with this this season. But if we're competing for once and not falling into the arsenalification of, oh, full face would be a good finish, uh, then, then I'm happy. And I think we are far better equipped, if not to win it, but to be in the mix right to the very end. And looking at players like that coming on, Hudson-Odoi, all of their players getting their chance and looking like they want to take that chance. That is a big step forward. Oh. Over. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Do you want me to go now? Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, on the sending off, yeah, it was a lunge. He's not a dirty player. 
if he would have played the ball, Southampton could have well been on for a free shot on goal. Uh, it's not the first time I've questioned Mendy's passing out from the back. But listen, I'm, I'm, this is nothing on him. He, he's got clear qualities. Uh, it, I, think, I think it did change the game, but I think you lot forget we did we did muster up a really good chance before the sending off where Werner and Lukaku linked up well. Lukaku's back pass put in Werner and the goalie's done a really good save. That wonderful, was still wonderful save. That was it? still 11 versus 11. Yeah. When yeah. he sat, I, I, I won't put that down as a miss. I'll put that down as a save. That was superb. Uh, and I, then I thought it's not our day. But uh, I think the sending off did give us a bit of confidence and maybe the momentum we needed to finish them off. But I already thought in the 10 minutes that Mason was off on before the sending off, that he was starting to stamp his authority on the game. You know, with, with, with all players, they all have good days and bad days. You know, it's completely natural, and I've got no problem with this whatsoever. But for all the haters of Mason Mount, when we just accept he is a major, major player, he's a big part of this team, and he's probably top of the list on making us tick. Uh, regarding Ross, you know, I was just as surprised as anyone when in, in midweek when we watched Ross uh, coming off the bench as our fifth substitute against Juventus. We needed a goal. He didn't bring on Werner. He brought on Barkley. Uh, he's, he, Tuchel has pointed out that, he, you know, he's seen in training early signs of uh, Lukaku and Barkley's connection from going back to their Everton days. Listen, that pass... To, to Ascobaleta was, you know, De Bruyne-esque. You know, it's an amazing pass. And I know lots will say, don't get carried away by Ross. As, as we've seen this before, and then you get a dip, don't you? But I'll just sit on the fence and, and see how this pans out. But I will also admit he has done well in his two very brief cameos in the last two games. Yeah, he has. JK? Let me say briefly that, that well, in his, um, not in his defence, in the opposite, uh, as an opposition to him, immediately after the brilliant pass, he, he then gave the ball away and then soon after that was caught in possession. So... You know. I missed that one. Yeah. <laughs> but that's Barkley, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, well, let's talk about Barkley now, actually, because I think you know clearly he's come into the uh, to the room as we as we say. And I was talking about I was talking about this uh, to Tony before we went on air because, of course, Tony is our super sub tonight. And I said, well, maybe maybe Tony is our impact sub rather than our super sub. Although that would mean he'd have to come into the show in part three, wouldn't it? Really, but yeah. But, <laughs> And who would be subbed? I'd have to go off. We, maybe we should do this. Maybe maybe I should get a few of you lined up one evening, and I can I can I can play Thomas Tuchel and bring bring yeah. who, who not good enough. Uh, so, yeah, well. The show, yeah, show's yeah. dipping in a bit bit in part yeah. two. J- JK, I can see JK's falling asleep. He's obviously a bit fatigued, right? <laughs> yeah. who, who bring bring somebody on to bring some energy? Who's our most energy? Oh, Tony. We'll bring Tony on for a bit of energy. You know, then Tony gets a bit too out of control, gives the ball away a bit. You know, few few shots over the bar. I need somebody a bit steady and more more sane. All right, we'll bring Mark Meehan on for Tony. You know, I, I think I think this has legs. I like this idea. Um, but anyway, look, let's talk about Barkley because, I mean, Jonathan's absolutely right, Dane. I mean, we've all seen it with him. He'll do a, a moment of brilliance and then a moment of utter stupidity. But maybe that's maybe that's what you do with him. Maybe you do bring him on as an impact sub because he can. You know, we were moaning like stink the other week, saying we don't have any players who can conjure something out of any nothing. You know, and do something different. You know, and break a defense down rather by rather than passing it sideways and backwards for five minutes. Actually, just do something that they don't expect. Maybe Barkley is that player, but he cannot be trusted for ninety minutes. So you bring him on when you need a win. Yeah, you know, no, 15, I, thought, 20 though, minutes to go. I was sitting there and I thought I've, you know, been going for a long, long time, like, like you three. And I've seen so many managers bring on so many players based on, on reputation or start players 
based on reputation rather than form. And he's decided to bring on Barkley before Ziyech and Havertz, which if that doesn't give you confidence if you're Barkley, then mm. you know, nothing will. And I thought it was very brave of him. Like I thought it was very brave of him doing it in Juventus. So, yeah. you know, good for Tuchel. I, you know, I said a couple of weeks ago, we've all said it. He will give you a chance. If you don't take it, then that's tough on you. I am disturbed by the little shin pads, though, and the and the Barklish. Uh, yes, I said Barklish, as I said on my fan bike, because it's a bit greylish like. And one of them fell out. Did you see? Yeah. In, in the in the game, it fell out, and it's like a. I thought that was, was his like packet a, of fags at first. Well, funny enough, it, it was as, it was as big as a packet of fags. It was like a little bit of chewing gum. I just thought, bloody hell, what's that? Is it shin pad? Nah. All but, footballers um, are superstitious, so maybe he's trying something just to get his career. Trying back something on different, track. yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. he's maybe he's pretending he's uh, you know invaded the body of Jack Grealish or something. Maybe <laughs> that's what it is. Oh look, you know, we all all of us on the show we want to see all of the Chelsea players really doing well because at the end of the day, if they do well, we win stuff and we all go home happy. So Barkley, for all his faults, I wish him all the best because I've always said I think he, he's an. I mean, I still remember. When he broke onto the scene as a 17, 18-year-old playing for Everton, and Roy, Roy Hodgson picked him for England, he he looked like he, he had the he, he looked like he had the potential to be another Gazza. He was that yeah. kind of a player. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Bull, bull, brilliant. you know, real bullocking kind of runs. You know, people would bounce off him. He had so much skill and he could score. If we but could Everton get a tune out of him, Everton thought we'd got that player. If you remember there. Their mayor was it? Were man from the council objected to the fact we'd got him for fifteen million? Yeah, because they were they were so worried that that we we'd got their best player for practically nothing. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, he, he was wonderful at periods in periods uh, for Everton, and we haven't seen that at Chelsea, unfortunately. We haven't, have we, Dane? You're just sorry? you're just thinking. Like, sorry, sorry. Oh, oh no, yes, sorry, I scratched my eye. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, okay. So, so the the that was a cracking goal, actually. I mean, it really was a thing of beauty. Great pass by Barkley. First time cross. Doesn't it make a difference when you do yeah. it first time? Yeah. And um, if Werner hadn't attacked it in, which I thought he did wonderfully, um, then uh, Lukaku surely would. So, and I, and I think the other. Well, I'm going to get onto Werner in a minute. Actually, I'm going to park that for now because if that goal was sublime, then Chilwell's was absolutely surreal. Now, yeah. I have to let you into a tiny secret. As Tony will absolutely vindicate. There was probably nobody in the ground better placed to see Chilwell's goal than I was. And I knew that was a goal, not not the minute he struck it, obviously, but I knew it had gone in. Because from where I stand, I'm almost directly in line oh. with the line, and, and I'm also high up, so I've got a, a, an overview as well. And it was so obvious that, um, remind me who the Southampton keepers... Martinez? No, no. Oh, McCarthy? Is yeah, McCarthy. McCarthy. It was Sorry. obvious to me that McCarthy had saved the ball well behind the line so it was like for me that's a goal so I was going potty and everybody was like you know but the other great thing about that goal this is why if you've never been to a football match why you need to go because there is nothing like um the purely instinctive uh motions in a football match involuntary motions and this was the probably one of the most classic examples I've seen where you know uh, Lukaku hit the post. We're all like thinking it's going, hey, oh, and then, then Aspie <laughs> hits it and he's like, hey, oh, 
And then Chew was just like, oh, because we thought it, it was just, you can only get that. You only get that seconds at football. Later. Yeah, you only get that at football. And I just thought that is just so poetic. The, the, just the ups and downs in a, in a, you know, in what was probably under five seconds. Absolutely brilliant. Mm. But it was so a goal. I mean, I, I knew it was in from the moment, you know, I, I could see. I had a clear what, view. What a, what a fantastic connection, though, with the Great ball. Great technique again. Yeah, yeah, you know, and this is this is why, uh, and maybe JK and I will disagree on this, but this is why I think he's better in the team than Alonso, because Alonso, no, no, I, 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 I just think Alonso, it, we've seen this with Alonso before, a couple of good games, handful of good games, and then, you know, sort of falls into this, I don't know. Like about Pose. Prancing around, yes, like he's Rudolf Nureyev for the uh, culture vultures amongst you. Um, and he, Rudolf he, Valentino. We don't need a Valentino or a Nureyev. We don't need a Valentino. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We need, we need uh, Tony Kersk. Yeah. No, we don't. And I, well, I just think Chilwell's got everything um, about his game. We bought him, you know, for a lot of money. We saw something there. Frank saw something there. Um, and when we bought him, I thought he was going to be one of the, you know, one of our stalwarts going forward. And I still do. I think he's been unlucky. But Tuchel has gone out of his way to explain why he was choosing Alonso in front of uh, Chilwell. And that, you know, Chilwell could consider himself to be unlucky and the whistle stuff. He's got his chance. His penalty was a bit of ring rust. I don't think it was anything much more than that. He's a better player than that. But we've seen him score goals before. And he is, he is, when he connects with the ball, he's fantastic, I think. That that was as good as any striker hitting that volley. Beautiful technique. I mean, yeah. beautiful technique. Um, okay. Um, I want to talk about uh, Loftus Cheek for a bit, actually, because um, you know, having whinnied on about it for the last few, I mean, Jonathan and I've been saying almost every week that you know what we need in midfield is somebody who can who can break the lines, who can be more box to box, who has an attacking head on him, who can keep the ball, who has a lot of skill, can beat players. And he's done it against Villa, um, went in the Caribou Cup. Uh, he did it, I think, against City when he came on. And I, I do think there's a very good there's a very good shout for saying that he was our man of the match on Saturday. He just brings something to the team and to that midfield, certainly, that we have been crying out for. Now, I've also gone on record saying is that I think that Mount might well do better as a box-to-box midfielder. I think he's more of a number eight than a number ten. But I, I ain't got my UEFA A Pro license like Thomas Tuchel, so what do I know? But it's just my personal opinion. But if you're going to keep Mount there, who is who? As Tony mentioned earlier on, you know we've been a bit up and down with results recently. But you know we seem to have forgotten that Mason Mount's been absent for two of those matches uh, and came on and made a huge difference when he did uh, against Southampton. And he is absolutely fundamental to the way Chelsea play, and uh, he is the only. He is the only, you know, he's the only one who can actually do what he does in the team, I think. So he's fundamental to how we play. But I'm just so delighted to see Ruben Loftus-Cheek come out and, as we were saying earlier on, perhaps understanding that it could be his last uh, last um, chance at Chelsea and he's tr- trying to grab it with both hands. I, I don't know about you lot, but um, I kind of fear... I, I'm watching. I watch Loftus Cheek play with increasing delight, saying, "This is what I want you to do. This is what we need. This is brilliant." And then I, I, all the, all the time, I'm I'm going, 
fuck me, I hope he doesn't get injured. I, always in the back of my mind, there's that, oh my God, that tackle there. Oh, oh. Do any of you feel like that, of getting that kind of... JK? Should I actually keep thinking, please don't be bad? That's, that's my thought with it, because I want him to be the player that, that we know he can be. I don't want him to be a bad player, and I don't want him to play as badly as he played at Fulham. Yeah, uh, I saw several Fulham well, games last year. Deliberately, I deliberately watched Fulham play. I was going to say, didn't you, didn't you watch play. Fulham play last season? No, I didn't because well, I support. Well, Chelsea, I can actually no. say I watched them on several occasions deliberately to yeah, see. I, them I did. Play. I did too. Actually, deliberately, he was awful. A, yeah, awful. Yeah, awful. Dane. Dane. Yeah, I've, he was protected well by Chilwell. I don't know if you realise there was a lot of times Chilwell would step into defensive midfield. Uh, and yes, he, he got would. pointed he out was by playing a lot in the middle of a lot, wasn't he, Dane? Uh, yeah, I think right. it protected Kovacic and yeah. Ruben. Yeah, now these are very positive signs for, you know, a fit and fire in Ruben is one of the best all-round midfielders in Europe. You know, uh, I, like many, have had so much patience with him over the years. But after watching him at Fulham and after we signed Saul just before the transfer window, I, I even wrote him <laughs> off. Uh, Sarri really showed us the best of Ruben. And these last few weeks, we're starting to see that Ruben again. You know, it's really good for him, though, after arguably being our standout player in the last four games, he gets to spend the next two weeks under Tuchel at Cobham, whilst other players in his positions go away on international duty. And he's definitely given Tuchel something to think about. Yeah. Um, I very, very, I mean, I, sorry, I, my mind got distracted by Donal uh, saying, I assume Chidge was auditioning for presenting MasterChef, need, MasterChef, need to hear him say lovely plate of food while munching away. <laughs> Well, if I was eating on a plate, Donald, I would. And that then that reminded me that I forgot to read out this absolutely brilliant post from Donald early on. They've been posting for England tonight. I'm having to, to rewind so much just to get anywhere near. Here we go. Donald, so this is about when we were talking about my idea to rotate you actually during the show and bring subs on, which I, I actually think is a brilliant idea, I have to say. Yeah, I've uh, seen it. Anyway, Donald says... Tony comes on, two yellow cards in five minutes, and you're a man down. <laughs> yeah. so who's the ref? Well, you are, clearly. Uh, yeah, you're the only one qualified, mate. Yeah. Anyway, um, so, yeah, Am I mean, I, I just... Michael Oliver? Huh? Am I Mike Dean or Michael Oliver? Uh, you'll know Mike Dean yeah. and be thankful for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, even you'll know, <laughs> know Mike Dean. Um, you're probably fitter than Mike Dean. Anyway... Um, okay, right. We need to talk about Werner because actually, very quick shout out to uh, to Hudson Odoi. We we did mention him earlier on, and I thought he was impressive again. And he's looking more Fabulous like left foot flick. Did oh. You see that? Oh, foot, you're, foot yeah, foot. yeah, the nutmeg. He's a run of games though, Chidge. Well, let's you know, hope not, he just you know someone mentioned that Zia could had played like four out of the last six. Callum doesn't get that. He gets one game. Yeah. He doesn't play well, and he's back on the bench. I know. For three well, or four he, games. He, he did play well yesterday. I think he's playing with more confidence. He's looking like the player we know. But I do think that. Having him on the left-hand side, you know, which is where he likes to be, is is far more sensible. I'd love to have been a fly on the uh, on Tuchel's office to to understand how he came to that decision and wonder whether it really is a decision based on actually he's been telling me this for months and months and months. I'm going to give him a go there, uh, and and actually he's been proved right by doing it. So hopefully, but anyway, I. I want to talk about Werner because uh, obviously not just in 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 uh, Chelsea land, but on this show, he, 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 you know, he's a bit marmite, isn't he? But I have to say that for all of his many faults, um, I thought he was absolutely brilliant on on Saturday. He never stopped. He never let his head go down, even when they, that that ludicrous decision to 
cancel a goal. And let's be honest, if somebody needs a goal more than Werner, I'd like to know who they are. But I, I thought actually it was really interesting the way... And Mark Meehan, Mark Meehan, bless him, has been saying this for a, about half a season now. Nigel Spackman said, Werner plays better when he plays off a, a bigger guy. Um, and, and we'll see the best of him when that happens. And I actually thought that we began to see that a lot more yesterday. And I thought that the way that he he and A, he and Lukaku hooked up and started to combine better than I've seen hitherto. Not perfectly yet. I take JK's point. I still think they've not gelled completely, but I thought the signs were there. But also, I think also greatly helped by runners from midfield. You know, uh, Kovacic likes to get, I mean, Lord help us when he does get there and shoots, but he, he likes to get up there. Um, Loftus-Cheek was doing it and often being the first to go uh, and he was around, so I think I think that helps Lukaku too. But I just love the way that it seemed to me that that Werner and Lukaku were beginning to get on the same wavelength, and you know, beginning to play in a way that I think that will really greatly benefit Lukaku. But I have to say, the best thing of all, and I I trying to explain this to somebody the other day, but I think this is just so brilliantly, brilliantly Chelsea, and that's uh, that. If we've got a player who, who who basically is absolute shit but tries his bollocks off, we just love him for some reason. And, and I remember having a conversation with uh, Gary Chivers a couple of years back. Uh, and Gary played for Chelsea when they, they really were very poor. And uh, he said, yeah, he said, you know, the thing is, he said, we were really shit and we knew it. But, you know, if we put in 100%, then the new lot would just always be behind us. I think it's quite historically a Chelsea thing in the way that we saw support players. Tony was saying the same about Torres as yeah. well. And, and and I think I think we just warmed to him. I think, you know, they say God loves a trier. Well, I think Chelsea loves a trier. And I think that's what you've got with Werner. And I'm just going to read you this because this is beautiful. This is uh, this is Timo Werner on, uh, on the Chelsea fans. It means a lot. They always stay... In... I'd love to do it in his slight German lisp. Should I give it a go? Yeah, it means a lot. No, it, it, mean, yeah. it, mean, it means a lot. They always stay behind me and the team. They want to push me <laughs> to play my best level here as I did it in the past. The best thing I can do is to give my best, to try every game to make them happy. That's not very good. That's more Pete, it's Peter Laurie again, isn't it? We've got better on the show. Yeah, Chief. we have. And, and now this is me. Uh, but uh, no, that, it, it all went Peter Laurie again. That happened on Friday, didn't it? Yeah, me, Weird. with me. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I, 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 you know, I just, I'm going to read it in English now in case you missed all that nonsense. Anyway, it means a lot. They always stay behind me in the team. They want to push me to play my best level here as I did it in the past. The best thing I can do is to give my best to try every game to make them happy. How can you not love this guy? Now, here's the thing. I've got a theory, right? This, you know, you know what they say about weird shit comes into weird people's heads. I'm looking at, I'm looking at Werner in that post-match interview, and it's been peeing down. Uh, thank you. Ali for the lovely Ali Fragley is in the house and she said, Chid, you sound like Chris Eubank. Well, thank you very much, Alison. It's a very kind and perspicacious thing to say. And I thank you very humbly. Anyway, that all went a bit weird too, but anyway, it was a good start. Um So Werner's standing there in his in his post match presser, it's been pissing down with rain. So his hair is all a bit straggly and he's a bit unshaven. And do you know what I thought? You're going to love this. And I wish I had the skills to do it on Photoshop or something. But he facially, he looks a bit like the great Gerd Muller, the bomber. If you, yeah. if you dyed Werner's hair black and, and a black tash 
He made looks... him about a foot smaller. Well, he's no, I think he's about the same <laughs> size as their bomber. I mean, okay. mind you, their bomber's thighs are about the same size as my trunk, as it were. So you know, you know, he, he, he the most unfeasibly large thighs I've ever seen on a human being. So Werner's got a bit of catching up to do there, but I think I think you know you just if facially they actually look very same. If you, if you black haired him up and you gave him a black tash, a bit more unshaven, uh, you know he looks a bit like Gerd Müller. So what I'm thinking is is that somebody at Chelsea needs to knock him out, okay, put him unconscious, and when he wakes up says, Ah, you're the bomber. It's Gerd. Gerd. He's back. Gerd <laughs> Müller's back with us, and maybe he'll believe he's Gerd Müller. I don't know what you think. Yes, because yeah. Gert Müller was an absolute beast, wasn't he? Yeah. And uh, and he had the confidence and, and everything like that. He was a great player. Um, I mean, he ruined the World Cup for us in 1970, of course. Absolutely ruined it for us. Like he's one of the best strikers I've ever seen, Tony. Yes, uh, and I think he probably did for Peter Bonetti's international career, as it happened as well in in, uh, in Mexico in 1970. But um, I maintain that um, Mark Meehan did say that about... Werner playing as a foil off of Lukaku. And I think I said it, pretty sure I said that in the last fan cast after the Spurs game, because look, he hasn't got the on-the-ball skill that Hazard's got, but he has got the pace that Hazard had in his peak. Uh, and that will always scare any defender shitless when they've got a player coming at them like that. Um, and his attitude is remarkable. This is a man who's had 16 goals disallowed. And at least one of them on Saturday was a perfectly, perfectly good goal. And yet, I don't know whether, is it, is it, is it a, am I stereotyping? Is it a German never say die thing? Is it just, or is it just a wonderful attitude of, I, I will just keep trying because it will come good. And with a German coach behind him uh, in Tuchel, um, maybe that's what he's saying to him. You know, we are German. This is not the end. We will prevail. And I think that's maybe the way Werner thinks. I think, honestly, um, you know, you talk about others for Man of the Match, but from what I've seen, Werner was just constantly, constantly a thorn in the side of their defenders. And I just think we, you know, we, I think the problem we've, because some of our fans have got, JK included, (laughs) is that he was bought here and given, you know, everyone gave it a big and he's a striker, he's going to bag us 30 goals a season and all this sort of stuff. And it doesn't always work out like that. And the, the, the art of good coaching and good management is to look at that player and say, well, that may be, may be the case at Leipzig when you're in a completely different league against different opposition and possibly not as a competitive league as the Premier League. However, this is what I think you can do for me. And I think he's starting to do it and I think he will get better at it. And it will be like Idan Jimmy. Yeah, it's, it's a... I agree with you, actually, Tony. It's promising, isn't it? Obviously, he's nowhere near his Leipzig form, but it's a major improvement on uh, what we've been seeing. You know, if you include recent games, you know, he looked lively against Spurs, Villa in the Cup when he scored. Man City was running down channels, but the uh, midfield was not supporting him, and he was very impressive on Saturday. You know, I know plays, you know, will run differently based on how the game pans out due to throw-ins, corners, goals, referee decisions, etc., etc., what we saw was two goals and good link-up play with Romello, which led to a good burst of speed on Saturday. You know, and you've got to... You've got to say it was a, it was a good save rather than a miss, as we alluded to earlier. Yeah, you know, sometimes JK's right. You know, his touch is still a bit off. But, you know, he goes into another international break on, on, on you know, decent to good form, which includes... If you include his last international break... 
his last eight games, he's had five starts, three subs, and he scored five goals. So to me, that is a player on form. And mm. this was the first time where we saw him really link up well with Romelu, just playing off him. You know, we mentioned the Man City one, but the midfielders just, it was wrong that day too, who admitted it. The midfield was too far off. The wingbacks were too far off. So when he was making, you know, these unselfish runs down the channel, unless he, you know, turned 90 degrees and tried to find Lukaku, there was no other help. But really, really encouraging on Saturday he was. Mm. Okay, um, we'll move on now then, shall we? He's still shit. <laughs> oh, JK, do you want to have? A, do you want to have your? I mean, oh. you've got you've got to share with everybody what Clayton said on Saturday. <laughs> yes, yes, Clayton said um, it's like watching uh, uh, a puppy chasing a balloon. And, I got it um, wrong. Then I said that to Kerry. I said. I said that Clayton said that he was like a terrier chasing a balloon. No, it was, that's better, a terrier chasing a balloon. No, I just think it's the... He, 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 he's terrifically quick. Um, he's unbelievably enthusiastic. I was really pleased from scoring. I just feel that there's a, a naivety about him occasionally when he controls the ball and, um, uh, and he occasionally looks startled by events going on around him rather than being aware of what's happening. And I, I think... Tuchel's just got to make him into a different player. Yeah, that's what Gerd Muller. Dye yeah, his hair, grow yeah. a tash, say, yeah. you are Gerd Muller, mate. Yeah. Knock yeah, him yeah, out, yeah. you'll be fine. Have bigger thighs. You bigger know, that thighs. Kind of Gerd yeah. Muller, what a what bloody What does Kerry think of him, Chidge? He's a bit... I mean, Kerry is always very... Uh, Kerry plays quite a straight bat. He's, he's never very effusive. He's always got, well, you know... Two games doesn't make a good season, mate. You know he's, he he likes to judge people over a long time, so he's not he's not subject to the vagaries that we are in our up and downism. Mm. Um, I don't think he's convinced by him to be honest, but he, he he's he he's fun, you know, because he 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 often. I mean, this is a lovely thing, I suppose. I'm very lucky that that we we get on so well, but you know, he he will often concede points that I make, so he. Uh, he, he he well i mean i didn't he didn't have to concede this because he, he and i were talking about it at the same time really the whole point about lukaku you know needing i mean his strengths basically what conte was saying actually that his strengths are playing with his back to goal uh, although he can be the target man as well but he's great at linking the play and bringing players running in on him and we just don't have those kind of players and it's really infuriating and of course kerry you know was very much that kind of a player too so he gets that but uh, he wasn't he he, he thought that he thought that Loftus Cheek played very well for the reasons that we gave. So, you know, he but he's he's more measured really. He looks at it more long term, which is fair enough. Um, right, um, we are about to go to part three, but before we do that, I'm talking Mason Mount as we were. Uh, the new football prizes competition at football underscore prizes competition is the chance to win a signed and framed Mason Mount shirt. <gasps> I hear you gasp in in delight. Uh, tickets are four pounds ninety five p each, and uh, that wasn't a gasp of delight. That was something else going on there by J.K. It was, I don't really want to comment on it any further. It looked quite obscene. Anyway, tickets are four pounds ninety five each, and the draw ends this Wednesday, the sixth of October, half seven. So, if you want to have a chance to win, you got to buy a ticket. That simple, and it's uh, go to footballprizes.co.uk forward slash product forward slash mount hyphen shirt. 
the uh, Twitter, the links on our Twitter page. I think it's pinned on our Twitter page, or if not, it's around this summer. Last time I looked, there were only 30 of the 99 tickets still available. So don't miss out. You better hurry up for that one if you want a Mason Mount signed shirt. We will be back in a minute. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Footballfancast.com. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I am Stanford Chidge, of course. We are now in part three, and I have the delightful Mr. Jonathan Kidd. It's lovely to be on the show with such marvellous guests. Always lovely to see JK. We've got the absolutely spiffing Dane Whittle. Evening, everyone. Always lovely to see Dane. I very saw him on Saturday. I had a very nice chat with him in the pub, which is what it's all about. And last but by no means least, our super stroke impact sub, the absolute legend that is Tony Glover, Mr. Grocer Jack himself. And it's lovely to be here. Lovely, lovely to see to be you. Off yeah. the bench again. Really lovely surprise because we didn't expect to see you tonight. So it's a, what we call a bonus. Right. Um, okay. As you know, we are we are we've reintroduced the fannies this season. Um, there's still apparently a sting for the fannies in the pipeline, courtesy of Jonathan Kidd. I've not seen or heard of it yet, but I, I promise there is one. But until then, you just have to put up with my rope. Sorry, sorry, I've written it down here again. I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay, yeah, it, that's all right. You're a ma- you're a busy man, J.K. And if you do it, you do it. If you don't, it's no I'll problem either way. No, it's a priority. It's here. No, no admonishment intended whatsoever. Anyway, the fannies this week. The results are in on Twitter on the poll. What we do, and uh, the man of the match nominations were Timo Werner, Ruben Loftus Cheek, and uh, Cesar Aspilicueta. And the results are. What do you think the results are, J.K.? Without looking, unless you, if you've looked, no, I haven't looked. Okay. I haven't looked. What do you reckon I the results are? I think it'll be Cheek. Okay. Uh, Dane? I voted uh, Ruben just based on his whole recent, yeah, his recent struggles. Okay. Tony? Oh, well, it's a tough one, but I'm going to go for Werner. Well, Tony, you are you are correct, my friend. Uh, 3% to Dave, which is a bit sad, but there you go. <laughs> Ruben Loftus-Cheek got 32%, uh, and Timo Werner got a whopping 65%. I, too, voted no. for Timo Werner, and uh, I think well-deserved. Now, the next one, of course. Now, oh, by the way, by the way, uh, a massive, massive dose of schadenfreude occurred to this because I did this late last night. And as you know, I always moan at people because they don't seem to understand the difference between a celery moment, which, of course, is a moment of comedy on or off the pitch uh, or something proper chels, and a Guinness moment, which is, of course, a moment of genius-like flair. Which might be, uh, which might actually uh, cause uh, you, uh, some sexual kind of arousal. <laughs> all right, uh, everybody should know this. Even there are people in the Amazon rainforest who are yet to be discovered who know this fact, right? But yet people still remain confused. None other than the person who actually invented these terms. It would appear because last night, a uh, late hour, when I put this up, I actually managed to put the nominations for the celery moment in the Guinness moment. And the nominations for the Guinness moment in the celery moment. So clearly, Grizz on Discord pointed out this fact to me last night. So clearly, even I don't know the flaming difference. But anyway, the uh, the uh, 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 the the yeah the celery moment uh, nominations are uh, Tuchel. Uh, there was a bit where Tuchel 
Uh, I think it was after the Chilwell goal where he had a jibe at, uh, at Atkinson and he did the kind of spectacles, binoculars face with his hands, which I thought was very, very funny. I think the refereeing was an absolute joke. An absolute joke. And uh, quite possibly proper Charles because it happens to us far too often. And the last nomination for the uh, Celeron was Chaloba, right? got caught basically in possession and I don't know who it was, might have been Dnepro was about to launch himself up the field for a counter-attack. So Chaloba, who was about twice his size, literally just put his arms around his tummy and just held him there. And it was almost like what you do with a kid. You know, when you grab a kid and you pick them up and their legs are still kind of running mm-hmm. because they're, you know, but that, oh, you know what I mean. Anyway, so that was it. Anyway, uh, okay, JK, who won the celery moment, do you think? Um, Chaloba? Nope. Tony? Yeah, I'm going for Tuchel's binoculars. You would, you would be right. I, I think I don't think the refereeing should be rewarded even with a fucking wooden spoon. No, I totally agree with that. <laughs> uh, no, Tuchel binoculars won 70% of the vote, so there's an absolute shooing uh, there for the salary. Now, the Guinness moment, uh, there were some great nominations for this. I thought this would be really, really close and very tough because... And I mean, quite often in a, in a in a match, you don't even get three Guinness moments, so it can be tough. But the the nominations were Hudson had always backheel nutmeg. Oh, yeah. JK sexually aroused just thinking of it. You know, um, Barclays pass to Aspie. Oh, yeah. And uh, Chilwell's volleyed goal. Oh. But you know what? I, I found that was interesting. I, I had another two nominations, Dan, which didn't even make the cut. But you know what? I went... You see, again, if you're at the game, you get these moments. But there were two moments in the first half where somebody did something and the crowd just went... You just hear the crowd audibly kind of gasp or go, ooh, you know. Yeah. That is that is the definition of a Guinness moment. If the crowd's done that, then you know something's up. And one of them was some something that Silver did. And the other was a great Kovacic pass. Neither of these made the cut. And yet the crowd both went, oh. Kovacic's pass from the very beginning of the game where he played an enormous 40-yard yeah. pass yeah. to the wing. Yeah. Brilliant. And the, Brilliant. Crowd, the crowd went, oh. We all, did it. We all went, oh. oh. Yeah. And then when Silver did that flick, we went, oh. Yeah. That's where the origination of the Guinness moment came in because it's like 40,000 people having an orgasm. It's a thing of beauty, anyway. Well, I wouldn't go that far. Okay, I wouldn't go that far. (laughs) But you get my my analogy. Anyway, um, the votes were... Well, actually, Dane, I missed out on you last time, Dane, because Tony got it right. So where would you have gone with this one? I was still laughing from when you were trying to explain a celery moment as a sexual arousal, and all JK did was blow his nose. (laughs) (laughs) As she was explaining it, all I heard was a... And, and you know, a, a celery moment, a Guinness moment is a sexual arousal, not oh, okay. a celery. See, even, yeah. even Dane doesn't know anyway. What, I, what... I, I got overexcited when uh, I noticed the referee look at his watch, which made me think he was going to allow Chilwell's goal. And for, for how he's been treated and what he's gone through in recent weeks, I got very happy about that. Fair enough. I like that answer. JK? Well... I I loved um, I loved Chubbles goal and I loved um, what was the second one the middle one forgotten it already Barclays, Barclays passed Barclays, to yeah I loved it I loved it and I and I actually went oh, at the time but <laughs> however 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 a doy's back heel I I audibly went oh like that and I think therefore I'll go for that I love it I love I it I can't even remember that no it was fucking superb yeah I mean it was easier for me and JK to see because it was on our side of the pitch and it was actually right in front of you wasn't it. It was, it was completely. Yeah. All right, Tony, what are you going for? I, I'm, I am going to go for Barclays Pass, so as Pete, 
because it was breathtaking. Mm. Oh, Brilliant! It there was. you go. Tony has scored a hat trick. Tony, as oh, we as we oh, all knew, as we Tony. all knew, we all knew Tony is a man of the people. So there we go. Can I have, a, can I have a Guinness? The person getting it right moment because I just went, oh, Tony. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Definitely. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So. Uh, Chilwell's volley got 19%. Uh, Hudson Roy's back heel nutmeg got 23%. And Barkley's pass to Aspie got 58%. So, as always, thanks everybody for uh, for voting. And thank you also hugely, actually, to the uh, the Discord group who, in the main, put most of the nominations together right after the match as well. I just, I love these people. I cannot tell you how much I love these. Right, that's final whistle. They're all in Discord putting their nominations. I mean, you can't wish for more than that. Even talk sport don't get that kind of fucking engagement, mate. I just love these people. I love them, man. I love them. It's just brilliant. Yeah, even Kaiser, who I was rude to last week, although he accepted my apology as to why I was rude to him. So that was, it was jolly nice of him to say that. For those of you who weren't on last week's show, it's when I said, I told Kaiser, I, but he said something rude about a player and I just said, oh, do fuck off in the most <laughs> chidge-like, patronising, pompous way you could possibly say. And then I qualified it by saying why I'd done that. And But he was very sweet and he and he, he said, I accept your apology. I heard the show, I accept your apology. So there we go. What a lovely man. Uh, JK, it's email time. Ooh. Who's going to be reading about, Chidge? You are. Me? Yeah, that's why that's why we don't pay you. Ooh. This is by J.R. Hecker. Oh, you it should have just been J.R. Hartley. That would have made my fucking night. That would have would have been good, wouldn't it? Yeah. Hecker. Is that is that that's that was that the man with two brains? No, J.R. Hartley no, was no, the... no, no, no. What oh. JK's just done with the hecker? Oh, yeah. The man yes. with two two brains. What was the name of that that woman that Steve Martin oh. kept on? I can't. Lily. <laughs> very, very funny. Somebody out there will know. Anyway, JK. Lily Tomlin, Lily. No, no, no. The the actual uh, name of the character that he had to pronounce. Oh, okay. And I can't remember. I'm going to have to watch the film again. Anyway, JK. This is J.R. Hecker. Hecker. Hello there, kids. JK, the rest of the fan cast gang. It's Tony and Dean. Uh, Long time listener, second time writer to the show. First, let me tell you all how much as a US-based Chelsea fan, I appreciate all you guys do to bring the fan experience to life for those of us on the other side of the pond. Keep up the great work. Secondly, I apologise in advance for the rather long-winded email. Oh, JR. Oh, okay. I'll never go. Anyway, I'm writing this email after having watched the train wreck that was the Champions League match against Juventus. Of course, all over social media and the clickbait mainstream media, it's all doom and gloom. Yeah, there was. I actually saw a Tuchel out with a cross, cross through his face. Yeah, but that's all bullshit, you know. It I know it was. It was just clickbait, I know. Tuchel has lost his way and the team are shit, blah, blah, blah. I'm not having that. I do think something's up with the squad overall. Certainly the last two matches have been utter shit. However, I do not think it's all doom and gloom. No, because we're top of the league, JR. Uh, the thing that frustrated me with both the Man City match and the Juve match was how we lost. In the Man City match, I was incredibly frustrated by the tactical, tactical setup. Why set up defensively at home against Man City? I'm not sure we did, or whether they just forced us to be set up like that. No, we did. We were a bit defensive. Anyway. Especially when we've beaten them the last three matches, we played against them. They should have feared us, not the other way around. I'd rather lose while trying to win than lose while trying not to lose. That's what it felt like to me against Man City. I think Tuchel got, got it wrong there, and I think he essentially admitted that and took responsibility. Good on him. 
We all make mistakes. It's how we own them that determines our character. And for me, Tuchel has so far demonstrated great character as a manager. That being said, credit to Man City as well. They played with incredibly incredible intensity throughout. They wanted it more than we did. Back to the Juve match. In the first 10 to 15 minutes of the match, I thought to be spoken in JK's best American accent. Well, hell, Juve doesn't even really look like they want to play in this match. We should be able to win this pretty easy. I, I don't know. <laughs> Um, what state was that, JK? Well, uh, that was a, I don't know, I think that was a, that was a, a sounded like Jeopardy dog, mate. It was, <laughs> that's probably exactly who it was. <laughs> it's exactly who it would have been. That's right, you're absolutely right. Let's do it in a different way. Well, hell, Juve doesn't even really look like they want to play in this match. We should be able to win this pretty easily. Uh, Juve kept making stupid mistakes on the ball as well and generally looked sloppy and uninterested for much of the first half. The only problem was that Chelsea sunk down to Juve's level of unintensity, particularly Alonso. We completely lacked any and all desire to take chances. It was like Sarri ball all over again. Absolutely agree with you, JR. Just passing the ball around the back and across the middle and back again, it was painful to watch. After about 20 minutes, it became incredibly obvious we just went up for it and changes need to be made ASAP. Thankfully, Tuchel saw this as well and swapped out Alonso for Chilwell. Of course, we conceded that ridiculous goal in the first moments of the half, which only allowed Juve to sit back even deeper and more stubbornly. I thought Tuchel made the right calls to bring in uh, RLC, um, uh, Cheek, Trevor Chalaba and um, Adoy at the 60-minute mark, and you could see a totally different level of intensity immediately as the younger and hungrier players made their way onto the pitch. Uh, Cheek immediately looked to bring the attack to them and on numerous occasions attempted to make aggressive passes forward. Sure, they didn't all come off. At least he was willing to take the risks. In the end, it was too little too late. Frankly, some of the individual player performances were just awful. Havertz on multiple occasions just dallied on the ball too damn long. I kept yelling, pass the damn ball, catch the damn ball, catch uh, pass the, pass the, pass the damn ball, Kai. Zayat was again completely pointless. Yes, Zayat was mad. He didn't make a single meaningful pass that I can remember offered zero attacking threat. Even Kovacic was sloppy. I watched Tuchel's post-game interview again. I think he got it right in his assessment. The team lacked energy and intent all over the pitch. And to be honest, one has to wonder if he made some poor lineup choices in this match by not rotating in the likes of Cheek or Chalobah, who were more fresh and hungry for minutes. It's clear he was frustrated by it, even saying that in training the day before, everyone was up for it. I don't think it's a coincidence the last several managers of Chelsea have all talked about the mentality of the players. It seems that it's rearing its ugly head again over this past week. Time will tell if Tuchel can re-motivate them. I believe he can and will. All of this being said, we also have to remember we were missing very important and impact players in Kante, Mount James and even Pulisic, who, yes, I know is very fragile, but on his day, or fragile, but on his day, in form, he's the most hazardous player we have. See Project Restart Pulisic for reference. I actually think the guy gets a bad rap at times for being injury prone. I watched the match for the... Uh, uh, USMNT. He got injured because he plays like 100% intensity when he plays. The guy's fearless and aggressive and dangerous, so much like Hazard, he gets hacked constantly and the pathetic refs don't do enough to curtail it. Absolutely right. We've seen Hazard, who was a true Iron Man for Chelsea, fall victim to more and more injuries since he's left Chelsea. So in summary, I do not feel it is all doom and gloom after two consecutive losses. Yes, they were ugly losses in the ways in which we lost. One set 
setting up poorly and defensively and playing scared and the other lacking any intensity at all or desire to play. But we're still in great position in the UCL after the first six weeks and the loss to Juve does not create any real risk to us failing to make it out of the group stage. So let's all just chill out and reassess. The team is still learning how to play with an out-and-out striker like Lukaku. Personally, I think we need to find as many ways as possible to get him as many touches as possible in a match, whether to his feet with back to goal to play in, a, to play in another player or in space for him to run at the defence or in the air to his head. The guy is truly world-class. We need to design the setup around this guy. I believe Tuchel will figure out how to make this work with this team. It's still early days and with another international break coming up, it's hard for them to find the time to get things dialed in. But alas, I believe we will get it figured out. Once everyone is healthy, we have a run of games with everyone available. I believe Tuchel will get the balance right and the chemistry between the starting 11 will begin to build around the time we need it the most. So let's all do our best to stay positive. Up the Chelsea, JR. Uh, that was a really great email, JR, actually. I mean, thank you for that. I'm very, very considered. You know what? Something that, that hadn't occurred to me, actually, the point he's kind of just made there, which is really you want your best form to be in kind of March and April, really, don't you? So the trick is, and I mean, a lot of great teams have done this, you know, that have like started fairly slowly. And then, I mean, United were absolutely masters of it, weren't they? They wouldn't turn up until the, after we got the new year out of the way and then suddenly they'd just absolutely pile drive home and win the title. So if you can not be in your best form and be scratching around trying to make it all work and still be top in October, I'd say that's a pretty good thing. Mm, I agree. Manchester City did that last season. Mm. They had a bit of a so-so start, didn't they? And then they went on, was it a 23-game winning streak later in the season? They looked unstoppable until they met us, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. But by which time they'd already got the title wrapped up pretty much. Yeah. So, you know, I, th- I think, um, again, I just, I'll go back to what I said. I, you know, it's about exercising a degree of caution. No, no one was going to worry about two defeats in a week in September. Well, they really, let's face it. I just don't think anyone was going to go, oh, my God, it's the end of the season. I'm sure there were people out there preparing to get their adult nappies on. But the majority of sensible people are saying, you know, if you're going to have a blip, if you're going to have a little dip in form or whatever, better now than later. Yeah, Much definitely, now. definitely. And I, I think the expectations of a lot to do. We, we, we covered that quite well on Friday, I think. Yeah. Uh, right, next email is from the legend that is Loz Barnes, who is actually in Mixler as we speak. Loz, your moment has come. Uh, right uh, he says well well that was a shit week wasn't it uh, Zoom screws Chidge then Chelsea screw themselves twice uh, whilst I've remained in the Tony Glover not getting attached mode with Thomas Tuchel I was I was at least ready to praise his coaching abilities but while the world isn't burning I'm perplexed about a couple of things the treatment of Chilwell after being snubbed at the Euros was crap man management and now Alonso has reverted to type so, sorry JK he has and always be, uh, always will be a crap defender. Uh, he's only half fit and shorter of confidence than a rotation into some games could have provided. Second, Rom doesn't suit the system. Conte now pointing that out behind JK, I should add. So why haven't we changed it? I heard when he came in that Thomas Tuchel loves to switch it up. But we are predictable with a capital P. Turns page, long pause whilst doing so. That was, that was, that was, that was the, st- the stage direction. 
Covers um, it well, though. Covers it well by speaking. Yes, of course. <laughs> Thank you. There you go. Because I am the ultimate professional, really. Uh, we have the squad. We have plenty of time. Tommy uh, needs to step up and prove he can use Rom. Bring back Chile and Werner, whose runs open defences, even if he can't score. And he did exactly that this weekend, didn't he, Loz? Oh, and yes, I love Kai for that cup winner. But he has been shocking, as has Ziyech. Before the return of sick note Mason Reese, TT has his work cut out. I wish him luck. Roman's trigger finger ain't far away if he doesn't sort it. Not sure if I entirely agree with that, Laws, although history would back you up, wouldn't it? Oh, and a massive shout of delight on how great it is to see Ruben Loftus-Cheek in the re- on the return finally. Barkley, not so much. <laughs> yes, that's like, I love football, but not Barkley. Barkley can fuck off. Yeah, not really. Anyway, Thomas Tuchel, please make sure Billy and Connor... Almost said Billy Connolly then. That was a bit of a Freudian slip. Billy, yes. Billy, Billy and Connor come back and we may have the answers to our midfield dilemmas. I agree with that. Cheers and up the Chelsea. Loz, Loz, lovely to see you in uh, Mixler, of course. So there you go. Um, I broadly agree with most of that, actually. Even the praise for JK. JK, we have an email from the lovely Peter Adkins, which may involve a song to the tune of Don't You Want Me Baby. So it's right, up your, it's right up your alley. That's why it's not... It was just random serendipity that this email befalls upon you. Oh, you've chosen it for me. No, no, it's just random, mate, honestly. Is it really? Yeah, it would random. have been you otherwise. And then it would have been a disaster, wouldn't it? No, no. I'm surprised your Tuchel song still hasn't caught on, you know. Well, I mean, it doesn't help when the person who does the much-watched Chelsea fan bite says in his two minutes, well, of course, we still don't have a song for Tuchel. I was shouting at my phone when I saw that. I said, JK, well, of all people, know that there is a Thomas Tuchel song because I wrote it. No, I meant the fans weren't singing it, not that yeah, you hadn't created I watched it, one. Jonathan. I watched No, I, watched I didn't. It. wasn't getting at you. If you want, Potter. though, I, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll tell you what I'll do. <laughs> The next fan bite, if you give me the words All and right. the tune, okay. I'll say, here's a possible Tuchel song. Copyright Chidge from yeah, yeah, I'll say, February this is, 2020. This is Chidge's Tuchel song. Even. Yeah. I'm happy to do that. I will do that. Yeah, all right. You, I think maybe the fact I put people off by singing it in a stupid German accent. Oh, I was going to do the same. All right, then. I think you have to sing it normally, otherwise people won't warm to it. Anyway. Peter Adkins. We'll see, we'll see. I might sing it comically. No, that wouldn't work, would it? Actually? Peter Adkins. Yeah, yeah. Peter Adkins. Dear Chidge, JK, et al. Who's al? <laughs> Been listening to the podcast for years, but writing in for the first time. Apart from the expert breakdowns you provide, JK's after game two-minute bites are one, if not the most entertaining things in the gloom, which is the Twitterverse. Oh, Pete, thanks so much. Knowing he's a voiceover artist, I'm sure I hear JK's unique talent for various Sky channels. Always reminds me to listen to the latest podcast. In fact, I'm never on Sky because my agent asked for too much money and I got given the boot. Uh, no, I'm on... Um, I'm on other channels. Anyway, as I have four kids, it's too expensive and time consuming. I did Mr. Bean for the kids, by the way. I did 30 voices on that. As I have four kids, it's too expensive and time consuming for me to make it to many games. But your recap of the good old years before we were under pressure to win the league every year reminds me of going to the Cup Winners' Cup games after work and taking my younger sister with me. I've tried to carry on the tradition of brainwashing the next generation of my family by taking my eldest to the Chelsea ladies stroke women's game against hot turds when it was at the bridge and I'm intending to do the same with the others at King's Meadow in the next year or so. However, this will be supplemented with games at my local Sutton United who've made it to League Two. You were recently discussing a song song someone was trying to put together or get going for the human leagues, Don't You Want Me, which kept running in my head. I came up with the following. Uh, 
You had left Paris and replaced Frank when we met you. You picked us up and turned us around, turned us into something new. Now, one year later on, we have the world at our feet. Success is so easy with you. We won't forget it's you who's put us where we are now. You are forever, forever a blue. Tommy Thomas Tuchel. You won the Champions League and signed Romelu Lukaku. Tommy, Tommy. Oh, I think I'm, I think I'm from... Thomas I put Tuchel. Late in. You I've, won I've the Champions League and signed Romelu Lukaku. Lukaku. Tommy, Tommy Thomas Tuchel. Thomas Tuchel. Tommy Thomas Tuchel. Thomas Tuchel. I can see it going. I like it. I like mm. it. I've, I've put the middle eight in though. That's I like it. I like it. I haven't got the Thomas Thomas Tuchel. You won the Champions League and signed Romelu Lukaku. No, so that's not. No, no, you had it right no. first time. Did I? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. We won't forget what you put. When we only offer him Tommy Thomas Tuchel, you won the Champions League and signed Romelu Lukaku. Tommy Thomas Tuchel, you won the Champions League and signed Romelu Lukaku. That's the uh, bit that comes before the "Don't you want me?" That's baby, right. Though. It is Tommy Thomas Tuchel. You won the Champions League and signed Romelu. <laughs> Tommy Thomas. It's not Tuchel. bad. It's not bad. I don't know. I mean, you know, if, I, th- I think we, I think if we ever do this again, people got to warn us, and I need to get those uh, like they did on uh, pop quiz or whatever, and you hold it up marks out of ten, or or <laughs> thumbs up or thumbs down. It should be sort of to be you had left Paris and replaced Frank when we, we met you. you. You picked, picked us up, up and turned, turned us around, around turned, turned, turned us into something, something new. Now, one year later on, we have the world at our feet. Success is easy for you. We won't forget it's you who put us where we are now. You are forever a blue. And this is your Tommy, Tommy Thomas Tuchel. You won the Champions League and signed Romelu Lukaku. Thomas, Tommy Tuchel. That's the one, isn't it? You won the Champions League and No, no, you don't do that. You repeat. Tommy Thomas Tuchel. Tommy Thomas Tuchel. Tommy Thomas Tuchel. That's the chorus. He didn't put the chorus in. Tommy Thomas Tuchel. He didn't put the chorus in. But it's good. I like it. Yeah, that's good. Dane likes it. Yeah, I can see the chorus going. Tommy Thomas Tuchel. Tommy Thomas Tuchel. I can see that being working, couldn't you? Or Thomas Tommy Tuchel, even. Thomas, Tommy, Thomas, even... Tommy, Tuchel, Tommy, Thomas, Tommy, Tuchel. Yeah, I like it. It's good. It's good. It could be T T. Could it could be Teddy Thomas? T T. Teddy Thomas. It's all absolute shh. Oh, there we go. Going to finish up the email. Uh, keep up the great work. Thank you for the effort you put into each show. Pete Adkins. Lovely. Keep up the great work and thank you for the effort you put into it, show. <laughs> Peter, Peter Adkins. Peter, Peter Adkins. Peter, Peter Adkins. I think uh, my occasional series of the, the Grocer Jack Earworm uh, <laughs> I've been tweeting over the last few days. I think I think I know which one is going to be picking up on tomorrow. Know, that's brilliant. <laughs> All right. Okay. So the uh, there it goes. The email from Ross Holland, who I met in Gate Seventeen on Saturday, it says hi, Chidge, J.K., and whichever steamed guests are on this week. Uh, just on route home from the Southampton game, nothing like a late win. And having bumped into Chidge in Gate Seventeen, I was the bloke in the green bomber jacket who thanked you as you left. Probably caught up with joy. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was time I emailed in. He said he was going to email me, so I'm glad he has. Um, been listening since the dark days of the 2012-13 season when that man was in charge 
and found a lot of comfort in the show. I've been a Chelsea fan since I can remember. I was born in 1995 and Chelsea was not an option. In other words, he had no choice. It was all I knew. My dad being a fan from the late 60s onwards, it was in my blood. And Dennis Wise, Gianluca Vialli with the rest of that glorious late 90s side are my first memories. Going to the football with my dad, who was a season ticket holder, Gate 13 and the Matty Harding Upper, I had many great memories. From my first game in 2001, where Gus Poyet scored the winner against Southampton, to seeing Zola score one of his late goals away at West Brom in 2003, to seeing us lift the Premier League trophy against Charlton, and in fact being a matchday mascot in 2006 when I was 11, and JT giving me a pair of boots. Wow. Unfortunately, my dad passed away a few a few years later after this. This is why I would like to thank the fan cast so much. Despite my age, due to my upbringing, I very much consider myself a legacy fan. And so thank you for the hours of listening, listening I've had uh, over the last eight years or so. Listening to proper Chels is such a relief and something I genuinely look forward to. Keep up the good work. And as always, up the Chels, Ross. What a lovely email. It was, it was brilliant to see. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm just like that, I suppose. But I was so chuffed that he came up and said hello and started telling me how much he loved the fan cast. I was really very lovely. It was lovely to hear that and really lovely to meet him. You should have tapped on my shoulder, Ross, earlier on. We could have had a chinwag. Uh, but uh, there you go. It's, it's still a legacy, I think, of, the, of a lot of people around me flog their seats. They don't go to every game. So people will randomly appear. So uh, it was lovely and serendipitous that uh, Ross did just that. Now... JK's scratching his beard thinking, oh, there's no more emails to read. But he would be wrong because a late one came in. And by the wonders of modern technology, I can put it on screen for him now. Mark Graver. Dear all, this is my first email of the season. So a belated welcome back. Thanks for the continued coverage, analysis and dare I say it, entertainment. You may, Mark. Yes, you can say. (laughs) Firstly, just wanted to say that one point in the Southampton game, the commentator said, silver away. We were hoping next time they'd add a hi-ho to the front the front of that, but alas, no. I'm sure the VAR stuff's already been covered while they're still checking a Ron Harris tackle from the 1970 Cup final. I really wanted to address, to address something to Jonathan with his ref's hat on. Oh, I'll have a go. In pretty much every game, there's a tackle where someone will say he played the ball or he got the ball first. Commentators, co-commentators, even players gesturing to the ref. I seem to remember that used to be part of the playground laws, may even have been in the official laws at one time, but I started school at the time of that Ron Harris tackle. So now as the current laws stand, I know I could look it up, but number one, I'm too lazy, and two, it gives me an excuse to write in. I thought it was to do with endangering the player, but does it make any difference to whether a foul is given if the ball is played first? There was a similar comment in the Saints game from, I think, Russell Osman. When Ward-Prowse went through Jorginho, Osman started going on about the area of the pitch and that Ward-Prowse had to go for it because the pass put Jorginho in trouble near the goal. It shouldn't matter where on the pitch it happens or the game's circumstances, surely. I'm interested to hear all your thoughts. All the best from a spring-like New Zealand, Mark. Good good, uh, good question. Um, I was under the impression as well that it didn't matter anymore whether you played the ball or not. It was all down to um, um, the impact on the player and whether it then becomes a dangerous tackle because it then it's considered serious foul play. Reckless and I endangerment, think, isn't it? Absolutely. Re- absolutely right. And so many players over the years have got away with that bizarre thing of saying he played the ball. Well, he may have played the ball, but then he broke the bloke's leg afterwards, yes. in which case he seems to get away with it. So I actually think that that's the proper way of refereeing. But I've noticed recently the odd anomaly, once again, where the player plays the ball and takes a bit of the 
uh, a bit of the, uh, the the player with the ball and the referee plays on. And I think this is a directive they've been given this year is to try and keep the keep the game flowing as much as possible and not responding to VAR because there have been many occasions when I would say that's a foul. I mean, Russell Osman comes from a different era, comes from a, an area of Neanderthal players who seem to be <laughs> believe that you can therefore foul somebody just because it's in an area of the pitch, just yeah. in front of the penalty area. Bre- breaking, fact, breaking a player's leg with a hack from behind was just known as letting him know you were there. Yeah, yeah, or even you know it was legitimate because he was he was attacking and about to score. So therefore, no, that's allowed. Had to take him out. Yeah, take him out. You can take him out. So uh, um, uh, as I say, I think the interpretation is uh, whether you hit the ball or not is irrelevant because you can hit the ball and then foul the player. But there are occasions where, to be fair to some players, they do touch the ball and have no impact with the player at all, and the player goes over, and the referee um, gives a penalty, and then VAR. With a, hopefully would would then over, overrule it because it would say no he didn't actually touch the player at all the the player feigned going over his leg which happens occasionally but um, I think the difficulty is when the player comes in doesn't touch the ball and the player falls over his leg then it looks more and more like a penalty but mm-hmm. touching the touching the ball seems to be irrelevant to me nowadays I think it's the if you do do a tackle and you play the ball and it hits the guy's leg and goes out and it's a proper tackle. And then the referee gives a foul. I always think that's where the anomaly is in that instance, because you've, you know, it's that thing, it's almost a 50-50 ball and you've played both player and ball. And all right, the other player may have got injured, but you were clearly just playing the ball. And I think that, that, that these are various things referees should be taken into consideration every time. So, Good knowledge, JK. I think that's, okay. I, I, that, that, I found that interesting and I, I hope uh, Mark did too. Lovely to hear from you, Mark. Hope everything's well down in uh, New Zealand. Uh, lovely, beautiful part of the world with some great people in it. So uh, there you go. Right, to wrap up the show tonight, we have the Prem Predictions results. Oh, I'm suddenly seven. feeling a bit tired, Chidge. I might just nod <laughs> off. Yeah, <laughs> may, well, well, you may. Well, you may. But I have to say, JK, tonight on the show, you are an exceedingly good company. So oh, thank you. I wouldn't worry about that. All right, so um, I'll, I'll read how we're doing first, shall I? I'll, I'll do it in reverse order. Uh, on uh, In 73rd place out of 74, we have Jonathan Kidd. Uh, now, Gabriel, who is below him on seven, in 74th, only joined about two weeks ago. Uh, I'm just saying. Uh, anyway, J.K. is in seven, oh, seven, cruelly, <laughs> really cruelly, <laughs> really horridly. <laughs> anyway, J.K. is in putting seven, the knife in, the stiletto <laughs> in, twisting it, twisting, twisting it, as it well, backwards and forwards. Anyway, J.K. has got 327 points, but uh, I can wipe that smug fucking grin off my face because I am in 67th place. With uh, with 398 points. I got a stunning 70 this week, which is actually, for me, quite good. That's, that's how shit I've been. And uh, almost equally shit, but nevertheless, a good 50 points ahead of me, is the Right Honourable Right Reverend Tony Glover in 63rd yes. place. So there we go. So I'm being I'm being Arsenal at the moment. Yeah. This is the Arsenalification of the Predictions League, right? Yeah. Where I start slowly. Everyone's calling for me to be sacked. But I've won a couple of weeks. I've done done okay, right? I've earned a hard-earned draw away at Brighton, okay? Um, and, and now I'm ready to go. I'm going to fly for the rest of this season. Just let that be a warning to you all. Well, <laughs> And you, well, Steve Mower. You're on the fucking mix <laughs> that night. I'm sniffing your bloody heels, mate, right now. 
Well, if you're if you're uh, if you're Norwich, uh, sorry, if you're if you're you're Arsenal, mate, I'm fucking Newcastle. That's for sure. But at least I'm, <laughs> at least I'm not Norwich like J.K. No, J.K. Yes. J.K. <laughs> JK is the Dan is the, J- JK is the is the is the Chelsea fan cast uh, Farker I think yes. isn't he? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Probably a, I'm not excuse me I'm not bottom I'm not bottom. No, useless Farker more, more I like. I could be Newcastle I'm not bottom. Okay, you could be Newcastle in which I'll case be Burnley. I'll Burnley. be Burnley. I'm happy to Burnley. be Burnley because I quite Gosh. like short dice. Look at that smug bastard in joint 21st place. Well, I'm getting to that. So there you go. Tony's in 63rd. Dean Mears is in 46th position. So those who know, know that there are two pages to the tables and the ambitions of the likes of me and Tony, who are clearly shit, are to get onto page one, which goes up to 50. All right. Neither of us have been anywhere near it all season. Anyway. Dean is in 46, so he is therefore in pay- on page one. He's got 574 points. Mark Meehan is in 32nd with uh, 632. And Dane, Dane is in 21st place, equal 21st place, sharing a podium at the moment with the wonderful Joe Mingola, who was the outright winner last season. Uh, How the Mighty Have Fallen, Joe. Sorry to see you there, but you've gone right back up, actually. I know you were a lot further down last week. Uh, anyway, uh, Dane has got 672 points. Martin Wickham, who was up to fifth the other week, has gone down to 17th. Uh, he's on 705 points. He had a he had a stinker, absolute stinker this week. He only got 23 points. Now, Mark, dear, dear, lovely Mark Worrell, uh, who slipped down the table last week, has gone right back up again. He's now in second place, challenging, dare I say it, although he's a good 150-odd points behind. Uh, but he's in second place with 841, which means this week's top boy, the league leader, as he has been all season, is the wonderful Luke Withers, who is on 998 points. He's averaging about 140 points a weekend. That's how good he is. And I also almost saw Luke. Luke came to the cock on uh, Saturday, but uh, we were out in the garden getting wet, Luke, so I missed you. But uh, next time... I've got a theory about this, Chidge, though. What's that? But I think the reason JK, uh, you and me are in that lower bit is, is we know a bit too much about football and we're overthinking <laughs> this. Well, right? yeah. And our level of intelligence is just so much yeah. higher than everybody else's. They just go in and go, oh, I don't know, 2-0. There's no skill. There's no thought. There's fuck all behind Dane and all them people. They're just stabbing in well, the dark. I, I, I think I, we're putting too much effort I have no mind. skill or thought. I put everything as a draw. Well, yes. Okay. Uh, well, I, I have. I think I'm. I am prepared to concur with Tony's theory, not least yes. because it represents my self-interest. So to do. But there's a, there's some evidence. I bring before your honour some evidence here. The evidence is that the most intelligent football man I have ever met in my life is Pat Nevin. And Pat Nevin is in 61st place uh, on 461 points, a mere nine, eight points. Eight points above <laughs> Tony Glover, so you know I think there's some credence to Tony's theory there. I have to say. Well, and Pat, to be fair to Pat, he's probably about the same height as me. <laughs> so again, there's there's commonality in it. I, I, I'm I'm a great believer uh, in um, in um, Dirk Gently's the the basic interconnectedness of everything theory. Uh, as as espoused by the late great Douglas Adams in in the Dirk Gently books. You could say so Dirk Diggler for a minute. I thought yeah, was... I do. Yeah. I do actually think that there's there's something in the fact that me and Pat Nevin are of similar stature. If he is only about ten stone and I am slightly the other way. Yeah, there we go. Right. 
Well, there may be. Anyway, I mean, it's actually quite interesting because I, I relayed your theory to uh, Kerry Dixon uh, the other week, saying that basically anybody who knew anything about football is not doing very well last week because it was really, really hard to predict. And those who did really, really well clearly don't know anything about football, which he used as an argument to Paul Canneville, who was crowing somewhat about how well he did last week. So Kerry Turner said, yeah, but mate, you know, you know, it was everybody who's really good didn't do well last week. So clearly, you don't know what you did. So I can just picture the scene of them having a row in the Copthorne, basically bantering each other off about the Chelsea Fancast Premier Predictions League. And of course, the last laugh was had, as it always is, by the Chelsea Fancast Premier League Predictions League. Because guess what? They're both level on fifty-two points uh, in fifty-second with uh, five hundred thirty-seven points this week, which I think is hilarious. I had to break the news to him this afternoon. He was not happy. Um, yeah. Okay, so that's it. Yeah, there we go. There's the... Oh, yeah, one more I should mention. I mean, we've had the ex-players, our slot, Luke's on top. But the performance of the week uh, is brilliant, actually. It goes to Oscar Tabodo, uh, Taboda, sorry, who's in our Discord group. He got 233 bloody points. Now, Oscar was down near me and JK last week, and that's lifted him right up to 48th. So, well done, Oscar. That's blinding. He, he might win a prize for that, as, in fact... Pierre Frizel, who, of course, I took to the game on Saturday, he got 265 points last week, and uh, I think he got a, I think he won something because you win. There are prizes, you know, you win bottles of whiskey, yeah. money, you know, all that kind of stuff. So there's 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 real stuff that goes on with this. So you, we we need to do better. Come on, chats. Well done, Dane, for being the the best in show tonight, definitely. Uh, but come on, boys. I mean, us three, for God's sake. Come on. You know, what the fuck? I don't know. Anyway, it's, it, is, it is seriously great fun and massively addictive. Really addictive. And I love it. So there you go. And well done. what gets me chidged, though. The amount of times I see a full-time result and I go, oh, yeah, I predicted that. And I look at my predictions. I went, what the hell did I predict? You know, you're, you're yeah. so confused you got it right. And then you look I at know. it. Dane, Dane, I was convinced all weekend that I had Chelsea as the fastest scorer, so I was rubbing my lips at the fact that uh, I was going to get 20 bonus points. And when I when I finally sobered up on and figured it out on, on late on Sunday, I realised I'd actually put Aston Villa as the team to score first this weekend. Mm. and As well as predict them, of course, to beat Spurs 3-1. So I got that massively wrong. Anyway, we digress. Uh, it's great fun, as I said. If you haven't joined it this year, I mean, you can still join in just for shits and giggles just to see how you do, but... Uh, you've really got to jump on this next season. It is so much fun. I mean, if you've got people like Kerry and Kerry Dixon and Canners, uh, you know, having a row in the Copthorne about how well they or, or not not they've done in this, then you can ju- you can see how much fun it is. Okie doke. All right. I'm afraid. Blimey, that's kind of it's almost the end of the show. How did that happen? Uh, it is all we've got time for this week. Uh, of course, it's the international break, uh, and as I said earlier on, we have planned to do another 50 years of Chelsea. This time, 98 to 99 this Friday. But sadly, Mark Meehan is unavailable. I should have spoken to his agent, JK. Uh, So we'll have to postpone it until the next international break. However, uh, JK, Mark Worrell, Mark Meehan and Adam Newson will be joining me next Monday for a very special Q&A show. Uh, Our Patreon members will be able to join us on Zoom live and ask the chaps about uh, Mark Worrell's books get a history lesson from Mark Meehan and quiz Adam about his work as a Chelsea journalist on football.london. So there we go. That promises to be an absolute cracker of a show. Uh, don't forget to check out Dean Mears's and I should say Dane Whittles went to Mo King's Meadow podcast on the Chelsea FC mm. women's team and the lovely Jane, of course. Uh, I published uh, their, man, uh, their review show uh, this morning. Actually, no, this afternoon. Uh, so do check that out if you're on Acast. And as I said, uh, Chelsea Fancast, as is... 
uh, went to my King's Meadow on uh, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, and many, many other podcast distributors. And uh, I mentioned Patreon throughout the show. Uh, as I said, those who are Patreon members of Chelsea Fancast can join us for the Q&A next Monday. Uh, and if you want to become a member of Patreon, it's really lovely if you do. I mean, there is absolutely, I swear to God, there is no pressure with this at all. Um, but if you do like what we do and you want to show your appreciation, then you can become a Patreon, bung us a few quid each month. And occasionally I, I throw like uh, some kind of, you know, uh, kind of medieval, uh, fat, old, bearded uh, king I throw you a few, a few scraps occasionally just to show my appreciation back, you know, like a date with Jonathan Kidd or something like that, you know. Oh, I'd love that. Is yeah. that old King Cole you were talking about? Then? I'm thinking of um, the one in uh, uh, The Lord of the Rings, which was played by Bernard... Played Yossa Hughes, didn't he? In, uh... Oh, Bernard Hughes. Hill. Bernard Hughes. Bernard Hill. Bernard Hill. That's Bernard Hill. Hill. I'm thinking Bernard Hill. Well, while he's... Before Worm Tongue... Before Worm Tongue gets nobbled and, and he comes back yeah, to life yeah. that's that's how i see myself occasionally i wake up and say, oh thank you patreon people here's a scrap you know that kind of thing but uh, anyway joking aside they are lovely and they are the hardcore of the fan cast and they really do help me out tremendously so if you want to join up it is patreon.com forward slash chelsea uh chelsea watch oh yeah chelsea fan cast that's who we are and you almost <laughs> forgot so there you go. And of course, do send your emails in. We love getting them in and we love reading them out. As you all know, Jonathan does a fine job on those. So there you go. So if you want to send an love email, them. Love them. send an email to chelseafancast at gmail.com. Get them in uh, by Sunday evening and they will be read. And of course, you can always send us a message by Patreon, Instagram, which of course Dane looks after wonderfully well, or even tweet us a message. It's all easy to do. So there we go. Uh, we're on at Chelsea Fancast on all your socials. Uh, I'm Stanford Chidge, of course, on Twitter. Uh, at Jonathan Kidd is Jonathan. At Grocer Jack UK is Tony. And of course, at DWIT9 is Mr. Dane Whittle. And as I said, we're on all the usual socials. Dane looks after our Instagram account fabulously. And I should always, always when I see him, should thank him profusely for that. So here I am doing just that. He's grinning. That's good. That's a show of appreciation. Lovely. Well, there you go. It's been a real blast uh, tonight. I've really, actually, I really enjoyed the show tonight. Dane, it's been great to see you as it was on Saturday. Thanks for the pint of Guinness. I owe you one at least. Oh, yeah, absolute pleasure. I've actually just noticed a tweet from the lovely Claire McConnell from Toronto. She's keeping your lot company on page two yes, whilst I I'm know. enjoying myself on page yeah, one yeah. for the Premier League prediction. <laughs> yes, indeed, I know. Dear Claire, dear Claire. She's not happy about being on page two as normal. Dane, great to see you. Thanks for your WhatsApp message, which I've not been able to reply to about Pat, but that's brilliant. Absolutely oh, yeah, lovely. yeah, yeah, yeah. Gone today, yeah. So. Yeah, well done, you. I, I'm sure we'll hear from Pat when he gets that. So, well done. Lovely to see you, mate. Hopefully see you soon. Thank you, yeah. Uh, Tony Glover brilliant to see you mate lovely surprise you've been a wonderful addition to the show tonight as you always are I really enjoyed your company as always yeah mate. it's been fantastic and uh, good to see the people in Mixler um, uh, debating some of my mini rants tonight good <laughs> love it exactly what we want exactly what we want and as uh, the last, last, but by no means least, the absolute leg end that is Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Lovely to see you, old Bean. I shall miss you on Friday, but never mind. Bell end, surely. I said leg end. Oh, good. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but bell end if you prefer. <laughs> yeah, I'll miss you on Friday, mate. Sorry we can't do the show on Friday, but it's Monday. Right. My, my, um, my daughter has suggested that we go to something in uh, Westfield, which is um, uh, a zombie reality game. 
And she said, oh, daddy, you can take part as well. She said, they give you real guns. I said, no, they don't give you real guns. She's 12. They give you guns that can kill the zombies. But I, 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 I've done one of these before. I got really scared. <laughs> you've, got these, you've got these bloody realities. <laughs> things the aliens rushing at you and you go god that's a bit real isn't it and then they kill you and there's blood everywhere but all over the screen of your visor and you think oh no i've got to somehow just accept the fact that i might suffer a little bit here but i, I anyway she wants me to do that on friday so i'll just say we can stay a bit longer because we were going to fit it in between four and six and then rush back from the uh for the, oh, for the brilliant. Show. Well, there you go so, no so i'll stay a bit longer with her so that's good yeah. fun our, our, our loss is george's gain Exactly. And exactly. and JK's loss as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm completely traumatized by it. I have to tell you on Monday. Well, there we go. No, I'm looking forward to Monday. Monday, the Q&A shows are great. We've got such a great bunch of mates who, who hang out in Discord and Patreon, so it's always lovely to see them. And uh, they've got, we've got some great guests on the show too. If you're going to ask a Q&A of anybody, I mean, Adam, Mark and, and Marco are high up there. There's already a question for you that's turned up in Discord, by the way, JK. So. Yeah. Oh, good. Anyway. I wait. I wait for Monday then. Good. Right. We better go. It's late, boys. Uh, great to see everybody. Um, Mixler, been brilliant having you on board as always. Lovely to see you guys too. Uh, we will be back next Monday. No Friday show next Monday. So thank <clears> you for listening. See you next Monday. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it Chelsea. <laughs> It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.